three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 43 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, Mood616, and of course, I have always got my two grave diggers alongside of me. NES ruler back in the motherfucking house representing. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, we got Double Shot J up in this motherfucker, too. What's going on, boys? Yo, yo, what's up? What's going on? Yeah. Alrighty. The three of us back in the house. Reunited. 43, right? Episode 43. This oh, is man. this is, of course, what we watch part two. Volume two. So not like we're we're starting to get so high up in episodes now that we're like doing part twos of things. We're gonna have a trilogy soon of what we watched. Yeah, yeah. man. The Star Wars of uh what we watched. Nice. But yeah, so what's going on, fellas? Well, you know, uh, it took me forever to get the show up last week. I just wanted to apologize, and this one should be up on regular time. I had a really crazy, hectic week. Um, I know we say that a lot, but this one was a legitimate, like, just hell week. It was just terrible. So you're going to have two episodes in four days, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, that should make up for not missing a week. Well, we could probably post it, you know. Maybe Monday or something. Give it an extra day. Well, we do we post, post on, Mondays. on Mondays. I meant to say Tuesday, actually. I did not mean to say <laughs> mean to say Monday, but whatever. Yeah, man. Oh, what have you uh, been up to, Moods? You haven't heard much from you this week. Oh, last week. It's just busy, man. Just busy with fucking life shit. Just work busy. We got these uh, stupid Canada games in town right now, so everything's just a fiasco. Canada it's just busy. games? What are they like? you know catch Uh, the maple leaf fall off the tree or something (laughs) canada winter games yeah Uh, it's basically everything it's winter games mixed with well just everything it's actually some of the events are so bizarre like you know of course it's got all your winter activities like skiing and all that garbage but uh syrup jug contest (laughs) (laughs) but it was i was surprised at someone like the indoor activities man i was like ping pong is actually an event in the winter games i was like Ping pong? What? That's stupid because you can play ping pong any time of year. And especially when you're outside. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And I was like, that's so strange. But of course, there's, you know, there's basketball skiing. But you can't forget about the most popular the game. Uh, hockey. Well, of how fast hockey. can you clear? How fast can you clear clearance? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, the customs, you know. What's that game it, that they play? Yeah. Santa Slay. Do they play that? What are they playing Santa Sleigh? Is that the one where they, like, use the brushes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Curling? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do they do that? I actually, actually, I don't even know if that's an event. I'm sure it is, but 
I actually don't even know. I haven't really been paying attention too much to the actual games themselves. It's just been hectic at work with uh, all the. Um, so what do you win? Like medals? Ridiculous. Or what? Well, it's you qualify for like Olympics and stuff, right? Oh, so it's like qualifiers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but you're making yeah, it I seem don't... like it's the X games. Canada had their own game system. Yeah. It's <laughs> like the X Games of Canada, but the X the... Games is. is... Well, every country has their qualifying games, right? You got to get the best of the best somewhere. I'm the best around. But yeah, like I said, like I, it's just been really busy at work and and just and and in my personal life too, it's been fucking insane. So yeah, I haven't really been, you know, you know, on social media a whole lot the last week because I just haven't really had time. You yeah, know, but you said it's not too cold, right? No, it's been warm as fuck here. Actually, it's it was crazy. Don't start um, talking about the weather again. <laughs> No, it's been well. The, the irony is, though, is because they have the games in a place where you know it's supposed to be cold, and you know for outdoor skiing and stuff like that. Well, it's been pissing rain and warm, so I think that's actually pretty funny. So, um, but yeah, I just no, I've been busy as shit, man. Just, ugh. I I don't even understand how many like how I, it was possible to watch so many movies in the last. Actually, this past week, I didn't watch a whole lot to be honest. That's not like you. Well, like I, said, I didn't really even have time. It was like every time I got up from, you know, I work night shifts, so I get up and then I'd be busy with doing something and I'd be back at work. And then, so, it, you know, it's one of those weeks I was just, uh, I just want this weekend to end. Fortunately, I have to work tonight because of some unscheduled flight. So, um, but yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Is so. it an overnight shift again or just? No, I'm just going in for one flight later on tonight. It's a oh, That's not too bad then, I guess. No, but then I, I get off at 1130 and I got to be back at 530 in the morning. <laughs> why because we got these uh um more charters coming in early in the morning when they need the extra help so not looking forward to that that's fucking stupid you're probably not even gonna go to sleep yeah well the way my schedule is i (laughs) will be able to so i know it's ridiculous but but yeah you've been busy this past week too also right uh yeah i was pretty busy uh not last week was okay but the week before i wasn't on the show was a full I had like five day a week going downtown on the train every day to do either go to school or settle that stuff that I'm doing for this film that I'm working on this semester. But besides that, it's typical school stuff. But it's not as it's not really as bad as it was last semester. Last semester was probably the roughest semester I had so far in school. Um, I was writing a lot. So this semester it seems to be a little bit easier, which is nice that I'm not as as strained as I typically am, but already five weeks in, which is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good though. I mean, of course, different classes, different yeah. curriculums and stuff, right? So yeah, I'm taking a lot of classes that I I typically don't take. So, mm-hmm. so oh, some producing classes, which is something different. A lot of uh, having to work with people and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I have to interact with people instead of just sitting behind my computer typing words on a piece of paper. So. Get out in the real world, right? Yep. Nice. That's why nice. I did it. Cool beans. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess our lives aren't that exciting. Not <laughs> this week. Are, but... Not this week. No, I, I really don't have anything. So, um, But yeah, JP, do we got some news? It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life. Death is 
Yeah, we got some news. Definitely not as much as we normally have, which is kind of a good thing. Less work for me, obviously. Uh, first up, we have uh, Pyramid. This was uh, the Alexander Aja film that was uh, written. He didn't direct it. He wrote it. You know, of course, High Tension, The Hills Have Eyes, The Maniac remake, uh, a bunch of good films. Um, this is actually going to be released on Blu-ray and DVD May 5th, 2015, and digital April 17th, 2015. Uh, so it, it's, it, it's interesting. You know, I almost kind of get annoyed that they um, always release stuff digitally like a month before it comes out on disc. Yeah. But it makes sense, right? I mean, it's easier to do. You don't actually have to produce physical things. Um, and, and honestly, it's, all, it's more profit probably, right? It's that and it's a whole rights thing. So, you know, you have your – the things that I've learned, you have your digital rights, you have your physical rights, you have the theatrical rights, and you have your you have your United States theatrical rights, and then you have your international rights, and all four of those rights – could either be owned by different people or have different contracts and things like that. Yep. So uh-huh. I would assume and, that it's a totally different thing well, a lot contract-wise between digital and mm-hmm. uh, physical. Yeah. A yeah. lot of films purely even get a budget based on foreign sales rights. Yeah. Uh, like Everly, um, which was Joe Lynch's film, like that that had a, a lot to do with um, the uh, foreign sales rights that they grabbed when they had Selma Hayek attached because she's a name in other countries, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's mm-hmm. popular. But yeah, I mean, it, have you guys heard anything about this one? I've heard it's pretty shitty. <laughs> yeah, I actually did too, and I thought it looked kind of cool at first, but... That's pretty much what I get from that too. <laughs> that, that sucks. Yeah, that does suck. <clears throat> right. I could have saw it in theaters, but it just looked way too shitty. So I had to pass on it. Well, if we learned anything from last week... Um, that is, don't judge a book by its cover. Yep. <laughs> so uh, after that, we have Ash yeah. versus Guy. I know, right? <laughs> I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still thinking about that, man. Actually, because uh, of course, you know, I was, I knew I was going to get some flack about, you know, giving that one such a good rating, especially from Sack. It was funny. But well, that doesn't really surprise me. But I, for sure, that one is not for everybody. But uh, man, is that ever you got to watch that? You have to see it to believe it, man. The performance by Nick Cage is—I've never fucking seen anything so hysterical in my life, man. Like I don't know if the character was written like that or if that's just the way he portrayed the character. Come on, it's funnier than the Holland from too. the script. Fuck, man, it, it's ridiculous, man. Some of the scenes are so over the top acted like i'm just like i'm fucking bawling watching this movie man uh it, it's hysterical you have to see it though it's so funny all right. <laughs> that's all i can say uh so, it, it really is so I'm, it wasn't I, a stupid release after all huh no it was definitely worth it like i just i want to watch it again just oh fuck it sounds like a pretty good release actually not even yeah. just a like well, possible well, the, one the weird thing is is that most people were you know they're like well I, I like high spirits you know because it's uh I mean, a lot of people had seen that one, mm-hmm. and they liked mm-hmm. it and stuff. It's more for kids. It's like a PG-13 type yeah. film. I yeah. remember even in the comments when they announced that release on Facebook, everybody was like, you know, High Spirits is cool, but 
what, what the fuck with this Vampire Kiss Scream Factory? Well, when you really look at the release itself now, like, like I've I watched both movies, and I'm like, it is a weird double feature, though. Because Vampire's Kiss is completely different than so was there like High a, Spirits. Like, was there anything that linked them together? I know they normally tried to do that, at least early nothing, on. Nothing. I mean, basically, the only common denominator between the two films is that they're, they have comedy in them. Vampire's Kiss, Kiss is like a dark, dark comedy, and High Spirits is like a PG-13 kind of like... Teen comedy? Teen comedy, like, kind of like a monster squad. It's really kind of goofy, and, you know, it, it would apply, you know, to the same type of audience, but... Uh-huh. But yeah, the movies are completely different. Like, you know, you wouldn't watch High Spirits and then Vampire Kiss with your kids. <laughs> Especially Vampire's Kiss. It's like, it's totally not for kids. <laughs> I don't know. It's a weird double feature. Like I said, it's just a bit of comedy, but totally different types of comedy. One's goofy, kind of family comedy. The other one's ridiculous, dark with like, oh, fuck. <laughs> just like, you know, this part when Nick Cage goes to the, never mind. I don't even want to ruin anything. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Ah, oh, shit. But yeah interesting release so after that we have <laughs> ash versus the evil dead um just a slight bit of news on that again seems I like we're getting it. something every week uh sam raimi will direct the pilot which i believe when they at first announced this he said he had interest in directing the pilot so there it is he's gonna direct the pilot which yes, is a good some, thing didn't an actress get announced too yeah but i don't care okay <laughs> unless, unless you know who she is uh no Okay, nobody cares. Uh, I don't. I don't. I, I actually hate casting news unless it's something huge, like a huge deal. Like, oh, here's the new Freddy, because that's such a big deal, right? Um, I I stay far away from casting news. I can't remember names. I can't pronounce names, and it's just a headache for me. So you will not see casting news unless it's significant here, or unless Jeremy gets it. Yeah. Hmm. Not really my thing. Not even, in, not even in school. There's two things that I, if people ask me to do, I'll tell them fuck off. Because casting and locations, I can't do that. Locations would be awesome for me. No, Scouting it's very locations, hard to do. maybe in the middle of Chicago. Here, I know where all these fucking awesome locations already are. Yeah. Um. After that, we have a little bit of a kind of a downer news to me. Uh, Mick Taylor is returning to Wolf Creek, but it's in a six-part web series. Duck. <laughs> so weird. Web I, series. I don't like what web website. Series. Um, actually, forget it's an Australian website though. So there you go. Web series to well, maybe me. Maybe it'll be like a web series and then get released. As but like still, a it's still yeah. the budget's going to be way lower. It you don't when you do a web series. Because it's an episodic format, your story structure is different. It's not like you're just taking an hour and a half movie and cutting it up into 10-minute segments. You have to start and end a 10-minute segment a certain yeah. way. So it fucks it up and it can never really be a movie. Um, so mm-hmm. that yeah, but kind why do you wait to me. see what they do and how they link it together and stuff like that? Maybe it will be interesting. I heard that it's supposed to take parts part af- take place after part two, so... I, I mean, how they it's... link? Maybe they link together all the episodes somehow together. Oh, I'm sure it will be because it's going to be like a <laughs> linear story. But I mean, I just, I just don't like web series. I don't. I rarely watch them. I mean, I checked out that Mortal Kombat one when that first was done, and 
it just feels cheaper to me. And obviously it is, but I, I don't know. It's just something about web series that just is not legitimate enough for me. Yeah, they've never really intrigued me either. I mean, House of Cards I, is like the biggest web series right now. Yeah. I is mean, that a web series? It's on Netflix. It's not a web series. You know what a web series is, dude? What's a web series? It's not It's not like a, a TV series online. Mm-hmm. It's It's like a... It's like webisodes. They're like yeah. shit that you like, see on YouTube channels and stuff. Like little, like little shorts. Basically. Yeah, they're usually like ten to fifteen minutes or something. Um, definitely, House of Cards is an actual TV show on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Netflix is going to be a studio soon. It's kind of like Hemlock Grove. Oh, I, they are. They're no, they're not. Much like they pretty much are, but they don't have a catalog yet, so they can't be considered a studio. What? What? What is? What can? Wait. Wait. What? A studio could be considered. Uh, they have to have a catalog of films of already. How many? I don't know the number, but I don't know if the, so. Like, so I like, give it like five years until they build up both Amazon and Netflix, like a catalog of films, and I bet you we'll see them in movie theaters. I don't know if that is that like a real thing. Like, did you learn that somewhere that in that's school, what a yeah. studio is? Well, has any studios come out lately in the past forever? Blumhouse? Besides the, besides the big six? Blumhouse? Blumhouse? Are they a major movie studio? You're not saying major. You just said they're going to be a studio. They're, they'll be a major movie studio. Oh. Yeah, well, it's up there with Sony. Up there with Sony and you know Warner Brothers. You don't Universe. become a major studio like in one day. I didn't say that. That's why I said they have to build a library before they're considered a studio. Yeah, but I, well, before they're considered a major studio. Like, look at Netflix is doing those six Adam Sandler films, the new Pee Wee film, and I bet you there'd be more. But and like, look at Crackle's going to have Joe Dirt too. Just like uh, you know, all these studios are, you know, are all these companies are making online shit now. Mm-hmm. I don't really consider yeah. it online, though. I, I really don't. It, it's more about it's just another means to watch something. It does. It to me, online usually means like cheap, like YouTube, mm. like 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 self-made. Yeah, that whole premise is weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, after that, we have After Dark Originals is putting out another film it's called bedlam uh it's going to be arriving on hd on demand april 14th and dvd uh april 28th from lionsgate home entertainment man it's about time that these things start dropping i mean they if you go to the website they've been on there for months and months like i, I think like over a year sanitarium was the last one yeah but like they were like on the website for so long you yeah. know, and they're finally getting release dates. It's so so we got two new ones recently, right? There was that housekeeping one, and then this one, Bedlam. Bedlam. Sanitarium, yeah. too. Sanitarium. I mean, like, it's not out yet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. They've been advertising there for, like, a year. The season's been taking forever to finish. It's strange. Well, ha- ha- do they actually have it in seasons, or are they just releasing them whenever? Well, I think it's, like, an actual festival, and then... The, so they do all these films, and then they get released throughout time, right? Well, so, no, but they stopped doing the festival after the fourth year. 
So they don't even do festivals for these ones either because no, they do. They them just, in... These are just uh, like acquisitions or productions that they. What are they after Dark Originals, right? Yeah, it's weird because they still have them in like sections though. Like the first run of like the first After Dark Originals was like eight films, right? Yeah, and then th- this is like considered like the second I think season that or was whatever. Their... I think that was their idea where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we did the, the original eight films to die for was a big thing, right? It was, yeah. it was like, uh, we're going to find these eight good films that don't have distribution deals yet. We're going to put them all together. We're going to throw on like a festival and we'll screen them in all these different cities. Um, and then it was successful. I do know that a lot of the filmmakers got shit for their films though. Like nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was like one of those things where it's like, well, if they screen, over this many amount of ticket sales will give you this percent, but it was like impossible to reach. Like I've heard stories from some of these filmmakers about yep. those mm-hmm. things, man. Yep. Um, the second season uh, was obviously declined at the third season, the fourth season. So the idea behind it was like, okay, we kind of run the course here, but what if we just, um, you know, took it like drop the theatrical like festival thing. And now mm-hmm. we'll just do like the home video releases and we'll do it in seasons there. Um, yeah. And I think for whatever reason, it never really came together. Now they just re- they just release them whenever. Yeah, and it, it is like very far in between too. Mm-hmm. Definitely taking their time with that. They're releasing them like every few months. It seems is strange, but I don't know. I I do I like them, man. I like collecting those. I do too. I like the idea of. I wish they would season like season them like like put yeah. them into sections. Like oh, like maybe like every year there's like eight new ones or something. I, I wish some company would do that. That would be the only, the thing for me right now that's kind of driving me nuts is they're getting harder to get up here in Canada <laughs> for some weird reason. Like they used to be so easy to get and now they're just, I don't know if it's di- the, something to do with distribution or whatever, but they're really hard to get. And when they, when you can find them, they're completely overpriced. Like, Didn't they release uh, at uh, Leprechaun's Revenge? Leprechaun's Revenge, Red Clover. Yeah, 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 yeah. Red yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually Ow, a sci-fi original film, right? I yeah. watched yeah. that when it aired on Sci-Fi. It was called Leprechaun's Revenge, mm-hmm. and then like a year later, oh, that's it came right, out that's on right, After yeah. Dark Originals, and it was called Red Clover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember you talking about that one, just saying that you just you hated it. Didn't you say that you couldn't stand it? No. No, I said it was all, it was a bad movie, but I was like I was mildly entertained by it on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, I, I had kind of the same impression with it too. I remember watching it, going, "Yeah, it's a bad movie, but it was pretty entertaining." Especially <laughs> like, when if you had it's a seen great it, way to sum it up, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. If you so. seen it on the Sci-Fi Channel, it was like, "Huh, well, I, it, it's better than like the nine million like shitty CGI shark movies they make." Like I like when they branch well, off let's not go something like that. And but what was funny was I remember because they aired it on St. Patrick's Day, and okay. they it was called Leprechaun's Revenge. Okay, and the funny thing is, Sci-Fi actually That's regularly regularly airs the Leprechaun movies because they have the they have the TV rights yeah, uh, yeah. to to air them. So you got Leprechaun one, two, and three playing in a row that morning, and then. Um, I think they played like one and two again and then Leprechaun's Revenge at like 8 p.m. that night. So they kind of tried to, con- they tried to tr- like pull the wool over people's eyes and like, like, like it's another Leprechaun movie. It's called Leprechaun's Revenge. <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. And I, I thought it was. I was like, you know, I was at the time where I was like, holy shit, they made another one. 
Um, this was before the remake, obviously, and I was like, I, I was waiting for it all day. I just watched. It. I <laughs> I'd have to wait films. for the new Leprechaun. But once I seen the trailers, I was like, or the previews, I was like, no, nah, that's definitely not a Leprechaun movie. Well, Leprechaun Origins definitely isn't a Leprechaun movie, and that got made, so. <laughs> I still have not watched it yet. Yeah, Do you have it? No, I don't even have it. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I guess with the, the After Dark Originals, Bedlam, uh, when George seeks treatment for his mental illness, the hospital is a darker world than even his demons could conjure. Now he's fighting to survive his cure at Bedlam. So. Eh, it's a hospital horror. Yeah. Buy it. Always sounds intriguing. It's mm. my shit. Yeah. After that, we have Alien. Uh, apparently, the guy who made District 9 yep. uh, revealed that his next movie is Alien and potentially starring Sigourney Weaver. Yep. Uh, and pretty much, I guess, you know, because Prometheus is still happening, happening. And I guess this is supposed to take place after the events of the Prometheus trilogy, but it's going to come out before. Yeah. Okay. I was reading a little bit of this too. That's a bit of a problem. And I was like, okay, this is going to confuse the living shit out of people. But I like that. I mean, people were so confused even with the Prometheus trilogy type thing. You know what though? (sighs) The people who were confused by that really weren't uh, like fans of the Alien series or they were and just expected an Alien film. I think yeah. this is I think this is a film series where it has a lot of like hardcore fans of it and I feel like you can intertwine it and people are such geeks about this stuff that, that they'll figure it out. They'll they'll mm-hmm. like this stuff. It's like the Star Wars films or something where there's like like the space jockeys or something. They were just a background character in the original Alien, right? So mm-hmm. pe- they like people geeked out when they seen like like the space jockeys like in the background of prometheus and shit like this is the type of film where you can do that with it Mm -hmm. i don't know we'll see (laughs) we'll see i mean i i honestly i love district nine i thought that movie was kicking ass it's it's a modern day masterpiece Uh, it was a it was a really fucking good movie it's a good it was pretty good it's really well done i enjoyed it i it was one of those films that i i didn't really expect and I say masterpiece from. too much. I take that back. It's a really it, good fucking movie. Yeah, yeah like, it, I, I it's really good. It, it is, but I, I don't know. I went into that one not even really knowing anything about it. I just kind of checked it yeah. out one time and it was just – so it really worked for me. Because you it's care awesome. about the character. I've so seen much. it at the height of the I thought hype. visually it looked awesome too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw it in theaters too. It was fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for his new movie. It looks pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I'm down for another Alien film. I'm overly not the biggest fan. I've actually only really liked the first film like a lot. The other ones I just kind of like. Um, I, I like the original Predator much more than every all pro- probably all of them though. Like even the Alien films. Alien uh, is good. But I like Prometheus a lot. A lot. I really like Prometheus. So um, a big budget new Alien film. I'm down. Uh huh. So after that. We have a little update on uh, a little project called, well, it doesn't have a title right now, but Don Mancini was on Twitter and he said he's currently working on the script for Chucky 7 right now. Yeah. So I figured that would make Jeremy happy. I was wondering where the fuck it was because, I mean, like. I was anticipating this news too and when it it finally happened, I was like, finally. (laughs) That was literally my reaction. I was like, okay, it's about time. I feel like he should have already had it done. Well, that's what I thought too, because there, you know, um, 
Kurtzich, like the last film was pretty successful. I, you it know, had for to straight, have been. It straight had to DVD, to. but it was actually a good film. So I'm really surprised he didn't just like roll with that, you know, just continue that momentum and just get it out right away. One but, every year, I think you could do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I'm just, yeah, it was a little surprising. It came, the announcement came so late, but I was anticipating. I knew it was going to eventually happen, but, uh, I hope, <laughs> I hope that they continue. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm actually really curious to see what they do with the next film because the end of Curse of Chucky was kind of a clusterfuck a little Which bit. I think. One? Just a little bit. Which one of the seven endings? Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. It, into one. <laughs> that's why I say clusterfuck because it's basically like a, it's like a whole handful of endings, but yeah. I'm curious to see what they do actually with the next film. Well, Don so. Mancini has said before all will be explained in Child's Play 7, so. Um, That's interesting. I, I, I'm I'm definitely – I have faith that he can tie it in. I hope they don't – I hope they keep it where it was in terms of I, – I felt like it was starting to get a little wonky towards the end. Um, so I hope they like tone it down a bit again. I know that ending. It's like they just – you know, they had this like great film going and they're like, hmm, scratching the edge. How the fuck do we end this? Oh, let's just put – or so they come up with about 10 different ideas and they're like, fuck it, we can't pick. Let's just do them it's all. It's like the original <laughs> ending. I know, right? It's like, fuck you guys. Jesus. Yeah, but so, you know, I'm excited for this. Uh, hopefully we can see it by like, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea because they released the Curse of Chucky in October. Um, and I think that definitely boosted sales. I, I have no idea what the numbers are, but I can't imagine that it didn't just you know, kill it because I seen everybody renting it. I seen everybody getting copies at Walmart. Um, I bought a copy like it, it was something that was really, um, embraced by the horror community. Really? I mean, Lots it was a box that everybody was kind of down for it and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, let, let's see another one. Yeah. So after that, we have a bit of, Kind of, I just kind of threw this in there because I thought it was pretty impressive. Scream Factory announced the uh, extras for John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Uh, so we have the new uh, high definition transfer, um, a new audio commentary with ad- actress Adrian Barbeau and Dean Cundy, uh, audio commentary with director John Carpenter, actor Kurt Russell, an audio commentary with producer Deborah Hill and production production designer Joe Alves. And then there's a second disc, new challenges in Little Manhattan, visual effects featurette, uh, scoring featurette, uh, on the set with John Carpenter, uh, and the list goes on and on. I mean, there, there's a, there's a solid list of special features on here. I thought that was pretty cool, um, that they, that they're making it a two disc Blu-ray. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So definitely check that out. Street date is 42115. And finally, yeah, April la- is April is just a fucking it's like a massacre month for mm-hmm. releases, man. It's just gonna slaughter people's pockets, man. It's fucking crazy. That's my releases. birthday. I think Scream Factory has eight titles coming out that month, and then there's a couple <laughs> other major companies I buy from that are releasing stuff that month too. And I'm like, fuck. Ridiculous. You could afford it. Yeah, but it's not the point. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'm like, I'm sitting here. I'm like, which four do I get that month? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's actually one of the craziest months I've seen in a long time for releases. Yeah. I mean, October is regularly a, a gigantic month, but I think April typically is too. Like April, May ish, like right, right before we start getting like the the, the 
the summer type shit going on. Like it always kind of feels like uh, they. I, I know that before. I think last day didn't they have a couple releases last April too? Scream Factory. I can't remember. I have to go back and look. That's been a while. Well, probably. I mean, <laughs> they haven't really missed a beat in what two Besides years New now. Year Evil. <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's and a couple Supernova. titles. Supernova. God. Did you end up <laughs> watching Supernova? Yeah. Did you love it? No. <laughs> that movie is so... Actually, the special features make... You know, if you watch the movie and watch some of, like, the features on it and stuff, it, it kind of makes more sense to why the movie's, like, a clusterfuck. So you, you appreciate a little bit more after, actually. So I, I was looking back at Scream Factory's releases in April, and both previous years they only had one release in April. So they're back in the deck this year. Wow, there's not too many months where they only released one thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, April. Um, the first April, it was April 30th. They released the Vampire Lovers, and then in the second April, they released Dead Shadows. Oh, that was a bad April. <laughs> dead Shadows? What the fuck's Dead Shadows? We covered it on the podcast. Oh, that was... On the podcast. Shows you how forgettable it is. <laughs> That's the alien zombie one. Yeah, yeah that, that one was a... Yeah, the story. Remember the story being so messed up in that? Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's forgettable, sorry. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, but finally... Ending out the news this week, um, at least all the news that I've seen, there might have been more, but I, I really didn't see much going on. We have something that we talked about last week, Moods. We actually had a pretty you know, lengthy conversation on what does this co-release mean between Scream Factory and IFC? Well, I'll tell you what it means. Uh, it means exactly what we were saying it could mean, and that is that I, Scream Factory is taking over the reins for IFC Midnight, and they are releasing the I, IFC Midnight contemporary films. So IFC is no longer releasing films films i guess at least not the midnight ones yeah oh that means prices are gonna go up it's so interesting well, I'm well uh, honestly I, i'm wondering are, do I'm, are they going to how much is a regular scream factory dvd at walmart isn't it usually like 10 bucks yeah uh i don't even know i never get dvds so, but I, I'm curious: are they are they going to be releasing everything on Blu-ray, or are they is Screen Factory going to be I would releasing some of these titles? Because IFC has only put out what maybe a handful of Blu-rays themselves, yeah, like a dozen or so. Yeah, maybe like a dozen. So, I mean, I mean, they have like fucking 250 releases. So, um, I'm curious: are is Screen Factory going like to pick up these titles and release them? Whatever, it's still a lot. I mean, you know, the ratio is a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just busting your balls. Um. But I'm curious: Is Screen Factory going to start releasing some of these titles just on DVD, or are they? I doubt it. I think they're going to. I think they'll do it Blu-ray. But I wouldn't be surprised if the actual acquisition for uh, the film, the films from IFC Midnight, slows down tremendously. Like I think they're probably going to do less quantity and make it more about like quality releases, like the Babadook and stuff like that. Mm Hmm. Uh, so that's kind of where I was at too. That was my next question. What are they going to do with, you know, a lot for, of crap last because year. <laughs> IC does, you know, acquire a lot of titles, right? A lot so, of crap last year. Yeah. I can't, I can't imagine 
if they kept up the pace that IFC did last year because that would literally be so many more releases from Scream Factory every month. I like I would I never. Just, I, I can't see that happening. happening. Yeah, it's just no. too much. Um, I honestly, maybe if it was like one a month, I could deal with that. Anything over that would just be too much for me. Mm-hmm. I guess it just we'll have to wait and see what really happens. But I'm curious to see like if they're all going to be coming out on blue or if they're actually going to have some DVD releases. Because I mean, Screen Factory does have you know at least one contemporary title that's not even released on Blu-ray. It was um, the House in the Alley. Yeah, yeah. So that's the title that they just put. Which is still strange to me. Well, the like, reason was is because they acquired it from overseas. And the, it had like no name recognition in the United States at all. It's never, mm-hmm. it's never played here or anything. So it was like, I think it was just risk. It was just like, well, we'll just release a DVD because nobody yeah, does anything. A lot less risk is doing on DVD. Yeah, yeah, because that one was like, it was going for super cheap when it came out. It was like the cheapest Screen Factory release like ever. Okay, so the way I'm going to look at it is we see The Babadook, right? That's a title that even IFC Midnight would have released on Blu-ray, right? That's yep. a huge title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then we have the second announced film, which was Extraterrestrial. That, to me, doesn't feel like one that IFC would have put on Blu-ray. So maybe they will release them all on Blu-ray. I'm actually looking forward to watching that movie. Yeah, me too. Considering how big of a fan I am well, grave encounters like i'm looking looking forward to we'll that cover that on the podcast also i hope the movie's better oh, we're doing all these ifc's the now title. well we'll have to see how many come out but right now it's not yeah any different so yeah we'll cover those yeah i just hope the movie's better than the title well you have to watch grave encounters so yeah why don't you just vod that shit and watch it so we could talk about it isn't that movie <laughs> like super fucking cheap they don't have it on vod what grave encounters no, no it's, it's hard to get Really? We actually don't. I would have watched it if I could have VOD'd it, but it's not on. It's not on. I swear we should do that, that film up like a million times. We should do those two movies for the show. Yeah. Aha. I if it's out of print, we're not doing those two movies. It's not out of print. It's seven bucks on Hastings. Oh. What's up? Grave Encounters. Hmm. That's kind of. It is actually technically out of print, though. Yeah. It's just not going for. Well, like, the Blu-ray is going like for thirteen dollars. That's for Grave Encounters two. Oh no! It's There's just a a, it's a um, region two Blu-ray oh. on Amazon. <laughs> okay, uh, um, I back up, put it out. Yeah. yeah. But, so, how do you guys? I, I'm actually not. How do you guys feel, Jeremy? How do you feel about this? I, you know, you've been personally involved with the IFC Midnight collecting. That is really my big. Point. Yeah. Well, um, just put it this way, Jeremy. You'll be able to catch up on the the back catalog now, even quicker, and get the rest. <laughs> If they're not going to be releasing huge quantities, yeah. Uh, if they're not releasing anymore. movies like Premature and Wrong Cops, then I'll be happy because like there's a lot of like really really bad movies that they release like really bad. So I would assume Scream Factories have Scream Factory has a little bit more morals than that. So well, they have a screening process. It yeah, like, no. hopefully we won't see as much shit. As and we, I feel like that is what is going to happen. Like I feel I like I hope so. I feel like. That that um, Scream Factory is more connected to their their you know fans, and I, like you look on Scream Factory's Facebook page, and it's a lot of interaction. So they're directly linked, and there's a lot of backlash happens when Scream Factory fucks up or does something stupid. 
I don't necessarily see that with like IFC, right? Like, do you do you see their Facebook page like announcing things no. and stuff like that? So, so I feel like that Scream Factory has more of a like standard that they have to deliver to the fans in order mm-hmm. to keep um, them happy. So, I do feel like it'll it'll weed out some of the bad bad IFC Midnight titles. Um, but I'm I'm really excited because that means we're gonna get some good titles because well, IFC not, does have some great titles that they put out. If they're not like twenty bucks a pop, sounds good to me. The Blu-ray be, definitely will be. Yeah, I know. If they still carry them with Family Video, I'm happy. They'll ca- they'll say. probably carry because they carry all the Scream Factory's contemporary stuff, yep. right? Like yep, Animal yep. and yeah, Beneath stuff like that. <laughs> Which is weird. I don't get it. It's like, can't you get the older stuff, please? <laughs> I thought they did actually. I mean, uh, but what does that mean to you? No more IFC Midnight's. Like, there's no that label's dead now, kind of. Not really dead. It still says IFC Midnight on it. Does it? Yes. Look at the Babadook. I, I did you look at the extraterrestrial one though? No. I don't think I've seen IFC Midnight anywhere on it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to tell from those. Yeah, how do you know it doesn't say it on the spine? It might. Um, uh, but okay. It probably either does way. That because doesn't IFC acquires the rights and it's put out by. It'll say it somewhere. Screen Factory, so it it will say IFC midnight yeah. on there. Yeah. But sounds whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, hopefully I'm we'll just start getting really like excited. a lot more quality titles. Yeah. You know, I mean, like you said, there was a lot of shit that's being released, so maybe this there is was a good some thing. Good one, so. Yeah. Well, I feel like if it benefits anybody, it benefits the filmmakers who get picked up by IFC Midnight because yeah. now they have w- they have like major probably over double the pushing power that they did have when their their films got picked up by IFC Midnight because I would argue that Scream Factory is a bigger company in terms of reach than than IFC at least oh, yeah. the Midnight branch. So now you have literally over double the amount of exposure to At least. your films. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So that wraps up the news segment. Oh, sure. Q, Q. I guess we'll move along into mood swings and start off, of course, with the DVD and Blu-ray releases for February 24th, 2015. Uh, actually, not a whole lot, Uh but some decent ones anyways. Um, first release here from Screen Factory is uh, New Year's Evil is finally coming out. <laughs> Wait, is it <laughs> a little New Year's? Late. What's that? Happy New Year's, guys. Happy yeah, New Year's. It's only two months late. But, it's almost uh, March. You know, better late than never, I guess. But yeah, New Year's Evil hit in Blu-ray here February 24th. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Happy to actually upgrade because I have the... Uh, I guess it would have been the burn on demand release. It never actually had like an official official release, but um, I will say though that transfer is fucking good. Uh, next up here from um, Blue Underground, we got God Told Me To um, released on Blu-ray and special edition two disc DVD. Of course, this is a Larry Cohen film released um, or from the early seventies. Fantastic, fantastic movie. That's a cool cover. Yeah, the cover it's fucking awesome. It's it's different than the the original Blue Underground DVD release. Uh-huh. So, uh, but the the visual the or the original Blue Underground DVD release is uh, actually says God told me to dot 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 kill. Yeah. But I noticed on this one it doesn't actually have that, so it's interesting. But great fucking movie, man. Awesome shit. Um, happy to see that one get a Blu-ray release. 
Uh, next up, we got a film that <laughs> honestly looks super, super generic. Uh, it's called Zombie World. <laughs> and it actually kind of cracked me up because, of course, it's Image that's releasing it. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, it's literally like a zombie hand on the cover holding a world. Like Cockney versus Zombies, but with a hand. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this is a Dread Central film. I noticed that too, actually. Released by Image. Hmm. They they will pick up anything, won't they? Uh, next up here uh, from Bayview, I think is putting well, this they out. Bought, they they picked up Bloody Homecoming, so of course, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amityville Death House, but they also <laughs> picked up Digging Up the Marrow, yeah, and Aftermath, which is not too uh, bad. It's the textbook definition of hit and miss. Uh, Amityville Amityville <laughs> Death miss. House is this related uh, to the Amityville series? No. I don't think it is. No, it's just the name only. They're yeah. just using it's so Amityville funny. to sell their product. No, Can't you just takes... make one? Can I just make an Amityville film and just like say that it's like part of the series? Well, it's not called really Amityville it. Haunting. What's it called, Moods? Death House. Amityville, Amityville Death House. I read about this. It's called Amityville Death House, but it takes place in like Amityville, Ohio or something like that. The city's yeah, yeah. Amityville, so they call it that. This is an awesome cover, guys. Yeah, it's a cool cover. Yeah, actually, the cover art is definitely what's going to sell this one. It reminds me of, like, a full moon or something. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I can't believe Amityville. That's so funny. <laughs> you can so just misleading. start collecting films that are not Amityville-related but have Amityville in the title. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know what to think about this one. Who knows? Um, next up here from uh, Kino is uh, the Black Sunday Blu-ray, the uh, AIP version uh, that's coming out. Um, of course, it's a Mario Bava film. Kino really doesn't do wrong with their releases. They always seem to release really great shit. Uh, but this is actually the second Blu-ray release for this movie. Yeah. But, yeah. This is the say, international happen. version. So um, kind of cool, I guess. What's the uh, difference? The It has the English version on it. Uh-huh. Or the no, it's the original Italian version because I think the the version that was originally released over here was like dubbed or something like that. I can't remember. Like deep red. I have like I have like both versions too. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Uh, <laughs> next up here we got a film called House of La- House of Last Things. Wow, this cover, man. It's Bad. just oh, it's so generic, man. It's got three heads kind of floating over this fucking house. Evil needs no invitation. Ugh. Just it, it, it's like the it's beyond generic looking. Well, it, uh, honestly, the the upside down cross gives it a little bit of a nice touch. <laughs> a little bit, but it's still very generic looking. Um, next up here, we've finally got an American release for Tater City, which is actually subtitled City of Cannibals for the American release, which is interesting. Um, it's being put out by Bayview. It says again, Widowmaker. That's actually uh, a good idea because if you remember when I you 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 uh, talked about that film, I was like, that title is just weird. I don't know what it is. So well, like, t- now it gives an an idiot American like me <laughs> more of an idea of okay, this is like a cannibal film or something. I, like now I know what it is. To me, I thought it was going to be some stupid like mutantist type thing where it's like Tater City, stupid American. Yeah, so yeah, Tater City, City of Cannibals. I like the cover art, but that's cool. It's got an American release now. Um, so yeah. it'll be coming, or it'll be cheaper for people to get now. Uh, so that's cool. I, I actually might even grab this release just to have it too. And the cover art's awesome. Uh, next up here is uh, A Candle for the Devil, released by Scorpion. 
this is just the DVD release. I know that there is a Blu-ray coming out very soon, which I get the updates from Scorpion, and uh, I, I'm not really too sure why they're not releasing them together. So if you maybe want maybe the transfer up, just was going to take some more time or something. Yeah, I'm not really too sure exactly what the whole story was, but. Um, but yeah, this one is eventually hitting Blu-ray and I think it's going to be another limited one because I think that's just what they're doing now because they just can't afford to press up too many. I think that's what it is. Um, but yeah, Candle for the Devil. It's one I've been looking forward to checking out for a long time. So I might just wait for the Blu-ray. Who knows? Uh, then we've got a film called Final Prayer. Wow. Here's another film, another cover with a cross on it. Look at this thing. <laughs> it's like Q mixed with religion or something. Yeah, evil has Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> oh wow, this is being released by Lionsgate. So that's interesting. Lionsgate doesn't—I don't know—their name doesn't pop up a whole lot on the. Uh, oh, just wait. I'll talk about a few. <laughs> um, I don't know, but I don't know if this is actually a horror film, but a film called Vanished. Uh, well, it's got Tony Todd and Danny Trejo in it, so. Oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's a seal of approval right there. Those, <laughs> released by Dan, MP- especially released Danny by- Trejo. He'll be in anything. Well, he is in everything. Yeah, pretty he's like, much. He's like the he's like the Mexican version of um, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. So yeah, he really does do a lot of movies, doesn't he? That's like, everything. Crazy. Literally that's fucking insane. Um, but yeah, Vanished kind of looks like I don't know. It looks like a revenge film actually, or something. But and then we got a film called The Intruders. Um. Uh, another movie called The Intruders. Yeah, exactly, I just, <laughs> another film called Intruders. So I'm assuming this is like a home invasion type film. It's like one of the where's the newest Home Sweet Home? Uh, the cover looks so generic too. Another just not good looking cover. Um, I believe the American release of um, Grindhouse's uh, The Beyond is coming out this yeah. um, the 24th. For some weird reason, the Canadian release date got pushed to like April 28th now or something like that. Which I'm just so pissed off about because it's fucking bullshit. Um, so I don't know if this is still true, if it's actually going to come out on this 24th or who knows, but it says it is. It's going to take so, you to that movie, man, if you were coming here. I'm pissed off. So finally, The Beyond is coming out. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, it says here that Satan's, Bl- uh, Satan's Blade is coming out uh, from Slasher Video. 24th but i'm not entirely sure if that's correct because i haven't been getting any updates on that um i know this one's been in in the works for a long time uh but hopefully it is satan's blade uh it's a early it's a film from the 80s released by slasher video their very first blu-ray so it's something i'm definitely looking forward to grabbing this is their first blu-ray it is their first blu-ray and it's been in the works for a long time and it says it's coming out this 24th but i don't know like i said i I haven't seen any updates on it and they usually kind of push their stuff. So kind of strange, but, uh, um, and I believe that is all I have for releases. Man. So, you know what? I actually forgot a little bit of news early on. Um, the film roar, yep. uh, it's a eighties film is going to be released from all of films partnering with draft house films. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen this film moods? What was the title again? Roar. Oh, that was Roar. Roar. <laughs> uh, no. It says infamous, rarely seen 80s cult classic Roar. Is that the one with the, is it actually the one with the tiger? Yeah. Stars Tippi Hedren, Melanie Griffith, 
and oh. over 150 lions, tigers, and untamed yeah. animals slated for. <laughs> okay, I know which movie it is. No, I've never seen that film. I've heard of it though. Yeah, I Not just about thought it was kind of cool. Biodome. Yeah, that's a pretty. That's a that's a unique release. Yeah. I think that's a cool one for them to pick up. Hmm. Very interesting. But yeah, that's going to do it for the releases for February 24th, of course, 2015. Uh, yeah. Do we got uh, any voicemails this week? Uh, yeah. We actually always can rely on one specific person to uh, <laughs> deliver us a voicemail. And uh, that, of course, anybody want to take a guess who that is? Um, I'm going to say it's probably not Zach. It is not. It is not. It is not that one. Mm, I don't know that. I'm going to go on a limb and say Brandon. It yeah, is Brandon. And Brandon uh, calls in this time to kind of uh, throw out some ideas. And I thought that this was pretty cool. Uh, if anybody has any ideas how to improve the show or something you might um, – want to see incorporated in the show feel free to drop us a voicemail um and you know unless it's just like hey review this film because that's what the viewer's choice is for um but yeah so uh here's brandon hey guys it's brandon uh no question this week just a few recommendations i had or ideas for the podcast um maybe if it's at all possible doing a facebook group movie review on there where everyone from the facebook group who's interested watches a particular movie including you guys and uh we all get a chance to rate it on the uh podcast and uh you know somehow either voted into the hall of fame or not you know depending on what the score is also giveaways now i only bring this up because i'm willing of course to be a potential sponsor. Um, we could do some sort of giveaway every couple months. You know, get a group of people willing to put in ten bucks every three months or something. Um, get ten people. It's a hundred dollar giveaway and some sort of contest we create. And the person who wins gets, you know, a hundred dollars and they use that to obviously buy films and then they get to share what they bought and stuff like that. Just some ideas. I don't know how any of these would work, but just things that popped into my head that I thought might be fun. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. No, I think that, yeah, I think the, uh, the giveaway, um, idea we've, I mean, we've thought of this many, many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I even, you know, I remember bringing it up a while back, like sort of in a raffle form where like everybody, Hey, throw in like, three to five dollars like every uh you know month or something and then and then it'll be like a big raffle where with something cool coming out like let's say an awesome box set is coming out in like april or something it would be like uh, you know everybody throw in for a chance to win this thing you know yeah mm -hmm. yeah um for the group uh movie review that's an interesting idea uh, i kind of like it because we get the final word because you know we're the host we're, we're the host we talk so but i i think that's an interesting idea actually uh i don't really know exactly how, i mean obviously everyone watched the film put the ratings down in the comment section and then how did he want us to do it like just kind of read out the ratings and then have us i don't 
know how it could fully work. I mean, obviously, it would take some brainstorming. But what's funny is I feel like I've been attempting to do this all along in terms of, hey, we tell you guys every week what we're going to do the next week. And normally, uh, you know, the idea, remember when we came up with that was so that yeah, I mean, we can watch along this with idea us. Before. We definitely yeah. have pushed this idea Maybe before. if we started saying what the next week's show is at the beginning of the show, that, that would maybe help a little bit because a lot of people don't stay till the very, very end. Um, well, fuck, I don't blame them. I mean, the fucking <laughs> shows are like 17 hours long. <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. definitely. And but actually, but honestly, there is people that do listen read to the end because yeah. you know I'll get people commenting back to me or whatever and talking about shit that we're talking about in the end of the video or the the show, and I'm like, impressive. It's very yeah. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but dedication. Also, you know but what's funny? Again. I'll give I'll share a little tip out there really quickly. This is off topic, but I'll tell everybody out there how I listen to my podcasts. Um, every podcast that I listen to, I actually listen to in times two speed. Um, and I go through a four hour podcast in two hours and it doesn't really change anything. You can hear perfectly fine. It's just as if they talk faster, slightly. Um, and it actually makes it them sound better because there's less pauses because there's less time in between pauses. Um, so it's actually, the only one that it's actually that pretty that. cool. I, that is just the funniest thing I've ever heard. You're the only one that I've never heard that. anyone. I watch like you and your subtitles. that way too. Uh, Most of the time. Not it's all the like time. you and your subtitles. Like it's a good idea. Moods, it's a good idea. Long, all of Mood's hour-long updates, I watch on times two speed. Really? <laughs> yeah, all of them. That, I watch them in a half I didn't hour. even know. I actually didn't even know you could do that on YouTube. Yep. It's a little setting down bottom. Well, and honestly, dude, it does you go. not you detract from the video at all. That's crazy. Well, I mean, you learn something every day. I had no idea I had that option. That's hilarious. Yep. Um, also, actually, you know, yeah, well, a little sidetrack here, but uh, Jeremy just brought up the subtitle thing. Man, I was watching a movie uh, the other day. I, I'll get into it later, but I was I was having a hard time understanding um, – a couple of the characters in the film because it's an Irish film and yep. the, uh, the the accents were they were thick man and, but yeah. one of the characters was a little kid so he kind of talked already like a little kid so it was really hard to understand so I'm like fuck this so I throw in the subtitles man dude oh fuck this would drive you insane I know you watch every film with the subtitles on now this is it was awful dude the subtitles <laughs> were done so bad they would say something and then the subtitles would come up after they were done and then someone else will start talking. It was always behind. Yeah, said, that oh, happens shit. every once in a it while. It was it's really, not... really bad. It actually might even have been the worst subtitles I've ever seen. Oh, I actually really? had to turn it off because I was missing what they were. I, I actually had to rewind it and then turn them off. I was like, oh, that's just horrible. One that's movie. horrible. That happens with closed captioning sometimes like because I don't know how it, the difference is, but it happens all the time with closed captioning. Yeah. that's oh. What movie was it? Uh, the Canal. Oh, yeah. But man, it, it was I, I it was really really bad, like poorly done. It was like it would just drive anyone nuts. I remember yeah, what when I, if you're deaf and you're like, "Fuck that shit," that would piss yeah. me off. I remember when I watched Attack the Block for the first time. I believe it was like 2010 or 2009 or something when that came out. Yeah. I rented it at the Redbox, which great movie by the way. But those accents were so fucking thick, dude. I could not watch it without subtitles. I think I remember talking to uh tat the tattoo doorman one time about that film and he even said he goes i can't even fucking understand them <laughs> yeah, dude. and i was like dude that's funny as hell 
It's pretty funny, man. I had to do that for Snowtown Murder. But he man. said there was so much slang and like he said yeah, the accents and there's so much it's slang like, in there. He said it was blood. it was so fucking hard to understand. Like even like even if you understood what they said, you didn't know what the fuck they meant. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. So it was one of those type deals too. So I thought that was. Hilarious. I love that movie, by the way. That's a great movie. It it's a cool film. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's, so, it's actually one that I watch with the subtitles on. Yeah, um, <laughs> I watch all of them. But uh, Brandon, back to Brandon, what Brandon was saying. Um, yeah, you know, that kind of reminded me, I tried to get this together a long time ago as well, and it just never came about. My idea was to have, like, a, uh, Friday night, like, like, film watching thing, where we all get into a chat or something, and we, um, obviously it couldn't be Friday since we record the podcast, but you guys get the idea. Um, and we all get into a chat and press play on a certain movie predetermined every week and we all kind of watch it and, and bullshit together. I thought that, that would be something cool. I did that before with, um, Justin Beam from, uh, you know, uh, Horror Hound. And, uh, we watched Friday the 13th part five and six, him and a bunch of, uh, other people off Twitter. It was a lot of fun. Um, of course you watch part five. Yeah. All over a candy bar, man. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, that would be cool, too. Uh, there's a lot of different things that could be fun to kind of bring everybody together, I guess. Um, but even just having, like, a weekly film that we all decide that we're going to watch and then have people call in about it or something, that would be cool. Like, I think, know, it, is a li- I think it is a little more complicated, though, because we all have to, you know, the people that want to be involved have to be able to get the film. So you got to decide on something that everyone can actually watch. But then I think it's the time. That's the hardest thing is trying to get everyone together for a certain time. Well, I mean, that's when it comes down to like, hey, we're going to make it this time. If you can't show up, you can't show up. And it's just like every week it will be doing it. And maybe one week you can show up. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, but yeah, I like that idea. I think that's fun. Yeah, and as far as the giveaways, yeah, that's something that we probably will do eventually in the future, even if we're just, you know, us three pitching in and giving away some stuff. Yeah. Well, oddly enough, I remember when <laughs> you got an extra copy of Necromantic. <laughs> You're like, what should I do with this? Cause, and I was like, well, should I give it away on the cast or should I send it to Jeremy? And I said, send it to Jeremy. <laughs> same thing with the uh ooey bowl films that i got which i don't know why you want these jeremy they're awful because i'm jewish and they're free and they're awful like they're actually you don't even want to watch it my my did you end up watching those jp yeah you want to know why because i'm on it because i'm a big nose dirty jew that's why so are those newer UA Bull films? No, they're old UA Bull films from like oh, literally okay. the year 2000, and all of oh. released them on DVD only. And for some reason, I got two copies of each one um, as screeners instead of just the one copy. I I think the idea was I told them to send Jeremy some, but they just sent them all to me. Should do that every time. Yeah, they'll make. Yeah, maybe they'll send you Biodome. I don't want Biodome. I'll take Biodome. No, they 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 know what I watch. They 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 the um, PR lady like knows that we cover horror. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Oh, Biodome could be horror. It's horribly bad. So yeah, so it's something we'll, we'll work on. You know, getting a uh, contest together. We'll have to figure out the logistics of it and mm-hmm. how we want to run it and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we've discussed a lot 
in the past. You know, 43 episodes in and we still haven't, uh, it still hasn't materialized, so that's interesting. Yeah. JP gave away House of the Devil. I did. I did oh, actually, yeah, House you of did. the Devil. Didn't we give... I gave something else away, too. I was going to say, we totally did actually give something away. I gave uh, something else away. I forget what it was, but I definitely gave something else away. That's right. That's right. I can't remember. It's been, it's been a while. It's been a while, so... But yeah, thanks for the uh, voicemail, Brandon. As usual, we appreciate that. Awesome stuff. Alrighty, so moving along into the uh, corners report, courtesy of Rumorg, uh, weird stats and morbid facts. This is coming from issue 123, the June of 2012, with the loved ones on the cover. Um, yeah, basically how I do these every week is I just grab a random Rumorg and then. I that's what I have to choose from. So there's like a list of like usually 10 or 12 things. And so I, you know, some some issues don't have like the greatest ones. This one is actually a perfect example. Like some of them are pretty decent. And, you know, so it is what it is. Right. But I'm going to go with this one because it actually made me laugh because this is like one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And, uh, you know, I could totally see someone actually getting away with this. But all right. So members of a New Jersey family are suing their former landlord for the return of their security deposit after allegedly discovering the house he rented them was haunted, forcing them to flee the premises less than a week after moving in. Fucking seriously. <laughs> like, seriously, like I read that and I was like, you got to be joking. You just didn't like the house. Exactly. It's like it's so matter of fact. Yeah, that house was haunted. I want my security back. <laughs> Were these uh people by chance named George and Kathy Lutz? Yeah, exactly, right? I know, I just oh god, makes me laugh. Fucking it's people. like um like how you can buy uh alien abduction insurance for like a hundred grand. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, that's like a real thing. Hundred grand? Yeah, but imagine if it actually happens, that's a good payday. <laughs> Yeah, Good luck proving it. <laughs> Wake up you with a have, sore ass and you're like, yeah, you just have yeah. to probe come out of your ass and you're all right. You're like, fuck yeah, payday. <laughs> That's good that shit. was a good investment. Uh, Hundred thousand. Wow. Where did they get those prices from? It's ridiculous. I don't know. That 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 just that just seems outrageous. Like how you could buy underground bunkers. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking yeah! It's for paranoid people, but well, you know, if I bought an underground bunker, I would at least put five hundred films in it, so at least I have something to do when I'm sitting down there. Oh fuck yeah! That, that would not last men's very long. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so then that is going to conclude mood swings. So moving along to the what we watch portion of portion of the show, which we will be doing for the rest of the show. Which is going to be the rest of the show. (laughs) So there is no featured review today, of course. Uh, I think we did specify that off the top of the show. So basically what we do here is just we do around the horn and we each pick a film to review. And actually this week we're not going to be doing our segments, which is another change up. Um, I think this week we're just going to have a pick of the week. Oh, old school. Yeah, we're just going to go old school. No segments, just a pick of the week because I'm sure we all have like a huge long list of films that we've watched over the last two three weeks or whatever um actually it's been a while yeah Yeah, the reason you know just a brief reason why we do these what we watch shows is if there's a couple weeks where we don't have a show or you know we're doing like franchise shows or something sometimes we compile a list of films that we would just never get a chance to talk about so um it's like a nice change of pace where we just talk about all the stuff that we watched 
you know, and we have more time to do it in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, who wants to go first? Anybody? Me? <laughs> All right, Jeremy, you can go first. All right. So, film I'm going to talk about is a movie that, you know, we were talking about Lionsgate earlier in films that usually don't get released by them anymore. And it's a film from last year titled Chemical Peel. Now, I think I remember seeing this. Oh, Lionsgate put this out? Yeah. Huh. Now, this movie, I've heard some okay things about, actually. I heard that it has some good gore and some stuff like that. So I saw it on the good old family video shelf, and I picked it up. And, um, yeah, it's crap. Um, <laughs> basically, we follow uh, a group of five women, which is interesting that it has an all-women's cast. Uh, we follow five women who go to this cabin in the middle of the woods and uh it's for their bachelorette party and one night during the bachelor one night during the party when they're playing cards or drinking or something like that they hear a bang outside of the window and they think nothing of it until they wake up the next morning and one of the you know girls who has a baby the baby died so they're like oh what the hell's going on here so she, of course, runs out of the house, hops into the car, and takes the only way out. So we're stuck with these four girls, and we start to learn that there was a train crash, and the car that was holding the train that crashed holds some kind of chemical contraction inside and leaked into the air, and people were dying from it. Um, so the story just basically follows these four women trying to survive in this house, and, of course, they all go insane, you know, they start getting picked off one by one by this magical, chemical, wonderful smell or whatever the hell it is. They never really say what it is. Um, uh, it is boring as hell, man. So just, it's just these girls bickering for an hour and a half, and nothing really goes on, to be completely honest. It's just them talking and you know trying to calm each other down and stuff like that. Um, there is one scene, I have to say, that has really, really good gore and really good practical effects. I have to give it that, that there's at least one good scene in the film, but that's not saying much because the rest of the film is pretty boring and the acting is over the top and um, includes a lot of uh, actresses who are um, known for their wonderful films of the Asylum brand series. So you know what you're going to get when you see actresses from that wonderful studio, even if it is a studio. So Chemical Peel... Uh, if you find it for like a dollar, buy it. But otherwise, uh, just pass on it. Three and a half out of ten. <laughs> Three Whoa. and a half out of ten. Yeah, I guess when you emphasize, you're you're like, yeah, in this movie, and then it was fucking boring. It's boring. boring. Listen, I heard like when you emphasize the word people... boring, man. Oh, that is the word you don't want to hear. Listen, when you say. If you find it for a dollar, buy it, and then you rate it a three and a half out of ten. I'm never buying that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, not even pretty, for a yeah. dollar. I'm not. Oh. It, it it would. I actually. Said I would that rather pay years. not to watch a three and a half out of ten. Yeah, I know some people really liked it, but I I like the afflicted. I thought it was boring. So maybe one of you guys will like it more than I did. Afflicted, yeah. Yeah, I yeah I did. I know you liked Afflicted more than I did. So, <laughs> um, all right, cool. All right, well, I'll go next here. Uh, whoa, sorry. Um, yeah, okay. First film I'm going to talk about here is from I believe it's from 2000. 
2013 is when it actually came out. Uh, yeah, 2013. And it is called Pretty Dead. <laughs> Pretty Dead. Is this the one with the girl with, like, screaming on the front cover? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's got a really funny quote on the front, too, which I, I'm still trying to... I'm scratching my head over this. It says, 10 out of 10, this film should... This film is... This is the film Paranormal Activity should have been. Well, that's such a compliment. That's like X-Men, X-Men saying this is the best slasher ever made. Oh, but this quote <laughs> doesn't even make sense to the film. So yeah. I'll get into this. I don't, I don't know. I thought that was very intriguing. That was on the front cover. It's not even on the back. It's on the front. Fucking strange. Um, anyways, this one starts out with your main character, uh, Regina Stevens. Um, she is just past her medical exam. And she's basically now a doctor. Uh, and it starts out, she's actually in this hospital. She's talking to a, um, like her psychiatrist because she's on lockdown. Like she's fucking strapped in. And basically the film is telling the story of what happened to her, uh, or what she thinks happened to her. Um, so it kind of, it starts flashing back. It's told in that type of deal, right? Um, the, it's, the film starts out with her partying with her boyfriend who had just actually, um, you know, proposed to her. And uh, everything seems to be going all good. They're having a party with their friends. Uh, they start doing some little sniffy sniffies, and unfortunately, what she, sniffy sniffies? Coke? They were doing. They did some coke. Oh, and uh, snow dust. So basically, it, it's really weird though. Like all the friends, everyone's fine. She ultimately kind of passes out and starts to like die. And her <laughs> boyfriend, <laughs> she starts to die. Well, this that's the weird thing, right? So she kind of like, you know, basically kind of dies. Anyways, her boyfriend brings her back to life. And um so uh I guess like the next day or like in the next couple of days, she wakes up one morning and uh, you know, and she's got this really weird taste for and like very odd cravings and stuff. So she goes to the kitchen and all the food in the house just does not appeal to her and but all the raw meat and the smell of blood and and things like that are very appealing to her and then she all ultimately figures out that food is not going to do it for anymore she needs to be eating like flesh and you know blood and weird things like that now the weird thing is is that she works in a hospital so she has actually access to like you know human (laughs) it's so fucking gross man there's parts in this film where she's actually drinking like glasses of like like fat to, to, is it better than feed, though? To Well, I'll just get to this. So, you know, to <laughs> control her cravings. But, okay, the whole thing with the movie is that she's trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with her. So her and her boyfriend, you know, they're all ultimately doctors, right? So they, they find this, like, this link between this parasitic uh, fungus called uh, cord- cordyceps. And basically they kind of figure that um, somehow – when she ingested this cocaine, it had some kind of parasite on it. Anyways, it got into her body. Interesting. And what it what this thing ultimately does, it's it kind of fucks with your body's mechanisms and it fucks with your mind. So now it's you know, you have these weird type cravings, but the the other weird thing is is that she doesn't really have a pulse and all of her vitals are not there. So she figures that she's actually kind of dead. But she's living. So she's and pretty dead. So she's, so she's pretty dead. dead. So as they're trying to figure out this link between this parasitic and what's making her, you know, go fucking nuts, basically, um, she starts getting worse and she starts like killing people, like ultimately like attacking people and like eating them and not remembering and and shit like that. So it's it's her trying to unravel the mystery of what the hell's going on with her biologically and, you know, <laughs> And trying to get this thing under control before it just completely goes, you know, haywire and shit. Um, 
yeah, the, the story is actually quite complex to this movie, I have to say. Um, very intriguing. I thought this would be pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> I ha- I'd have to say that this is, you know, the storyline's very um, unique. And I, I've never seen a film like this because it kind of it kind of treads the border of like anti-drug zon- film. <laughs> well, yeah, ultimately don't do drugs. Exactly. Yep. Um but no, it's kind of like a zombie film slash cannibal film. But you don't really know if she's dead or I mean, she's obviously being a cannibal because she is fucking eating people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but with this whole medical side to it, it's it, it's a really interesting film. Now, my thoughts on this one is, like I said, the, the story is amazing. I thought the lead actress in this film was fantastic. She did a really good job of selling this and like. You know, in the flashback scenes, like she's like a totally different character, and like when she's all fucking nuts and stuff inside the hospital, I think she does a really great job. Um, but I think at times some of the flashbacks they kind of do take you out of the film a little bit, you know, because I don't know, it, you know, you know what I'm talking about with that type of structure, right, JP? Yep. You know, like that type of structure. Sometimes it, it gets a little too much, and you just you just want you know the core of it, right? You know, just stop with the flashbacks, but. It's it's just a little bit of a gripe on the film, but um, and I've but passed on this movie like ten times. The story though is enough to keep you intrigued. Now, it's very very interesting right up into the end, and I think it ultimately kind of falls a little bit short though. It doesn't, you know, it kind of leaves you wanting a little more, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because the story is so compelling. You're just like, what the fuck? Like it's very intriguing. Um, there's actually one little – there's one part in this film that was very off-putting too because they actually – they almost show like a clip from like um, like a nature channel explaining these uh, these parasitic funguses and stuff. And it's it's kind of like just kind of thrown into the middle of the film. It's like, OK, we're having a hard time explaining exactly what these funguses are, but we're going to show you a clip from this uh, this nature show. It's really odd actually. So it wasn't it's really like – it wasn't like there was a character watching flipping through the channels and it sh- – popped up on the tv it was not it's like all. inserted basically what it is is she's trying to explain to her psychiatrist you know because he completely doesn't believe her at all he just thinks that she's fucking nuts and she just of killed course. a bunch of people right right and she's trying to explain no i'm not crazy i'm not a schizophrenic i have this pr- parasitic thing in me that's making me do all this shit so as she's explaining what sh- what she was doing with her studies to her psychiatrist um it kind of cuts to the scene and it's very strange. It's very, very off putting. I was just like, uh, I kind of understood what they were getting at, but okay, I'll watch this little nature channel insert. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty interesting. But um, yeah, ultimately this was a fun one. It, w- it was a really interesting film. I think the ending could have been, you know, a little better, uh, but you know, it has some pretty good gore. I have to say it was all practical, which was nice. All practical acting was great by the lead i think some of the other acting was very very piss poor especially by the uh the psychiatrist in this film is this a midnight release or a brain damage uh this is actually released by osiris huh yeah i see that family uh, video i just always pass on it because it looks like complete another shit mm-hmm. um but yeah like the psychiatrist acting is very very it's very bland. Uh, you know me. I don't cardboard. Put, you know me. I don't put up with bad acting. So yeah, it, it, it's just I did. I don't like the tone. Like he just seems very uninterested. And the boyfriend's okay, but there's not a whole lot of characters in the film, which isn't you know that bad. But um, you know, it is definitely worth the watch. I would recommend this film. Like I said, the ending could have been a little bit better, but you know, it's intriguing enough to keep you interested. But it does fall a little bit short. So uh, I'm going to give it about a six and a half out of ten. All right. So, 
Alright, uh, the film that I'm going to talk about first is Terror Vision from the year 1986. A family's new satellite TV system starts receiving signals from another planet, and it soon becomes the passageway to an alien world. What is this, a main review? No. <laughs> it's just the plot. Uh, so yeah, this film, uh, it's kind of set in this weird, almost like 50s style, uh, but it's really kind of like satirical and every character is completely over the top but it's done in sort of a fun clever way uh it's kind That's of actually a, kind of an interesting way of putting it like a 50s type setting but i think it's because the parents are very eccentric yeah you know absolutely. like with the paintings on the wall <laughs> yeah so there's like there's like nude art everywhere and we have these swinging parents uh, the daughter is like this valley girl who is like 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 y'all like <laughs> I, I can't even do it but, you know, but she's like, like you totally. know totally and stuff like oh man it's it's hilarious actually she has like this crazy wig on different hairs her boyfriend's like this like surfer dude and you know rocker uh there's a little brother who's completely obsessed with uh tv and almost like this elvira character uh named medusa with like the freaking biggest cleavage ever (laughs) 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 and the grandpa's all crazy and shit um and basically aliens it's like kind of like a creature feature uh there's a bunch of uh well the grandpa's not really crazy he's more just paranoid yeah he's super paranoid yeah he's, he's super paranoid he has like a bunker and stuff um this film is a lot of fun. It's just – it's over the top. It's crazy. It's zany. It's loony. And these characters are fun to watch. They're completely ridiculous. Uh, it's directed by uh, Ted Nikolai from like subspecies fame. I uh, worked with Charles Band. It was uh, an Empire Pictures film back in the day. Uh, and it, it, it's typical stuff that you see from them, but it's top-tier stuff. This is This is the better stuff that you get from them. Um, overall just a lot of fun and I like that the gore effects are all practical obviously and they look the creatures just look cool Um, it it, kind of silly almost like uh, a little too silly at times but then you kind of realize the film that you're watching and it all kind of fits and makes sense Uh, there's actually quite a bit of interesting decisions in terms of because uh, I was checking out the special features. I listened to the commentary, and there's also actually an awesome uh, little featurette documentary on this film. It's about a half hour long, uh, but you know Ted Nikolai wanted to make more sort of a like horror film, like a straight up one, and of course Charles Band um, wants to make it more of the world that he creates. Uh, so it, we got this weird blend of just like two. Charlie um, Band being selfish as always. <laughs> but I think this film works way better as as a silly, fun film than than a serious film. Uh, so, the, you know, what, what's also interesting is Charlie Band actually uh, just had a poster. The poster that you see with the tentacle eye monster on the satellite dish and stuff, that existed way before any concept of this film did. Charlie Band, and it, it shows like the the days of where like a film like Slumber Party Massacre was just a title, and then they made a film yeah. around it. Like they did that a lot, and Charlie Band's probably one of the best for that. Uh, so he mm. had this poster for a long time, and you know Ted Nikolai wanted to direct the film, and he's like, "Well, I got this uh, poster for this you know weirdo type movie." 
yeah. it's called Terror Vision. He he's he said that he just always liked the title Terror Vision. He just had the title on the poster forever. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. How does this even happen? Because um, he's Charlie Band. Yeah, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Yeah, so uh, I highly recommend checking out that uh, documentary on the Scream Factory disc. Uh, it's a lot of fun. They bring back all the actors. They're talking about it. Yeah, it, uh, it is a good one. The, the characters are really fun. The the OD character, the like surfer, like rocker dude, he's Finale fucking hilarious, dude. man. He, he's just he's funny, man. Um, a lot of fun, man. It, I I can't really say much more about it. I well, know Moods, you're a pretty big fan of this one. Oh, I fucking love this movie. One thing you didn't mention is the amazing theme song for this oh, film. Oh my god, how did how could I forget that? It's like <laughs> one of the best themes of ever. It fucking it, it gets the stuck in your you head. hear this. I know, right? Every time I watch this movie, it's in my head for like a week. <laughs> yeah, overall, it's one of the funnest I love this film. I can throw it on at any time. It's just it's got everything about it's great. Like Right from the music, the set pieces are awesome. The house is fucking fantastic. Well, yeah, the set pieces are very interesting. This was actually filmed in Rome. Uh, Full Moon, or you know, at the time, uh, Empire yeah. did a lot of filmmaking in Rome uh, mm-hmm. for you know, all, like I believe the first like three subspecies films were filmed there. Um, break. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very cheap filmmaking back then, and I believe uh, Empire or Charles Band was actually the first production out of Rome. Um, which is interesting. I don't know which film it exactly was, but I, it might have been one of the subspecies, to be honest. Um, or they might have came after this. I'm not sure. Either way. They came after that film. Yeah, okay. So uh, it's an awesome movie. The, the, it, you can, it almost has this weird like nuclear style to it where um, the backdrops and the outside, the, ho- the house looks really cool as well. It's just this it, – it's, it's like a different world pretty much. And yeah, it's very surreal, actually. It feels like a, it almost, you know what it feels like? A sitcom. It feels like this, like, satirical, like, sitcom of this weird family. That's uh, exactly what it feels like. Yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. I know Moods is probably like, why the hell would you rate it so low and stuff? Um, but, it, you know, that's what it is to me. It's it's fun. <laughs> it's cheese. Um, but uh, it is it is a little, you know, it's it's not a amazing storytelling by any means no it's just a fucking fun ass film that i can watch over and over and over again everything about it's great man i th- my favorite thing though man is the dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, swing, the swinging that, stuff is hilarious man one of my favorite parts in that film <laughs> is when he's getting ready for their or for their company you know the swingers that are coming over Yep. And he's talking about his daughter's boyfriend and how silly he looks and he's putting on his fucking huge chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I fucking die at that part every time, man. Fuck and what's fun. funny is this film is actually semi family friendly as well, even though you might not consider it to be at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what a great film. I want to watch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> For the eight thousand time. Oh man, I've watched it so many times. It's so good. Back good to you, stuff. Jeremy. All right, so now we're going to be talking about yet another piece of shit film from the year 2014. What a downer. Holy crap, dude. Do you ever watch anything good? Yeah, you're always ripping films. You're never like... I think think you watch more shitty films than I do, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Do you not try to avoid those ones? Do you not have like a a priority where you're like, well, these are my good films. These are the ones... But it sounded cool, (laughs) so I had to watch it. What is it? The Last Showing, starring Freddie himself, Robert England. From the year 2014? Yes. Oh my god, what a fucking mess this one is. Um, basically, Robert England plays a proje- – it's a cool idea. Plays this projectionist 
in this UK movie theater, and he's obsessed with making his own horror films. So then we are introduced to our two main characters, may I add, the only two characters in the whole rest of the film, uh, a annoying jockey-type character and an annoying big-tit blonde character who absolutely have no substances or anything together. So they decide to go see uh, The Hills Have Highs Part 2. Wow. One night at midnight. and Why? I like know. the original one? Yeah. That movie's <laughs> awful. So, Wes Craven's going, what a fucking stupid choice that was. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert England figures out this is a good chance to use these two people to make his own horror movie. So he, you know, lets everybody leaves and then he closes down the movie theater. And when they're trying to find a way out, the girl goes to the bathroom and she gets drugged by Robert England and the boyfriend has to try and rescue her. And that's pretty much it throughout the rest of the movie is him trying to rescue his girlfriend and there's like plot twists like the collector but a million times worse of him trying to have to rescue his girlfriend then you get to the ending and it's just fucking stupid 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 now i have to say robert england actually does a pretty okay job in this film he's actually the pretty much the only saving grace in the entire film and the dp had some interesting shots um you know, I have to give them credit that they tried some interesting shots, some crane shots and things like that over the movie theater and things like that. But besides those two things, uh, it is awful, awful, awful. I, you know, I know a lot of people were talking about this one because it sounded pretty cool and interesting and things like that, but it is not, not good. Having a film with only three characters throughout the entire 90-minute you know, film, it's not not a good idea because if you don't have people who know how to act – you're going to have a big fat flop right in your face. And this is exactly what this one does. Absolutely garbage. Two and a half out of ten. Damn. You know, this one was sitting on the Walmart shelves. And um, how much was it? Ten dollars? I got it for a buck fifty. But what what was the title again? <laughs> the Last that? Showing. The yeah. Last Showing. Oh, okay. Put out by Screen Media Dark Side. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Glad I didn't pick it up. Yeah, it's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> two and a half. I didn't think you were going to get a lower rating than your first one. Three and a half and a two and a half? Fuck, you're not even halfway to – or you're rated halfway to ten. <laughs> well, I won't talk about any more bad movies. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Uh, next up here is a film from 2006 uh, put out by – I don't even know what company – what is this? V- VVS Films? <laughs> Strange. Um yeah, from 2006 called Night Feeders. Um, this one I actually seen on someone's recent shelf by shelf video, and it just kind of triggered something because I used to have this on a list to buy, and I was like, I got to grab that shit, man. Sounds good. So, very simple premise in this one. Um, basically, it's about uh, this kind of like meteor that fucking comes down to Earth and crashes into um, this you know farmland area. Anyways jump forward to your uh, four main characters they're these guys are out in the woods of course deer hunting and uh, and they start getting attacked by um these basically kind of alien creatures that have come out of this comet or this whatever the fuck it is that hits the earth they don't really explain it's like a maybe a comet meteor whatever but anyways it uh, spawns these type aliens and shit like that and now they're on earth and they start fucking some shit up so it's a survival game mm-hmm. um 
This one is actually a lot of fucking fun. It's got a stupid premise, of course. Uh, all the characters in this film are actually pretty likable. They're pretty funny. Um, but uh, good old... <laughs> one funny thing about this, the first time you see the creatures, they're totally CG'd. But it's like so goofy looking, it actually works, if that makes any sense. The creatures, for some reason, are CG, but all the effects are practical in this film. It's so fucking strange. It has this weird blend, but it kind of makes you laugh every time you see the creatures. It's so, it's weird, but um, <clears throat> I had a lot of fucking fun with this one, man. Really gory. I have to say, a lot of fucking gore in this film, man. Huh. Um, like I said, there's not a lot of characters. They do come across some other ones and that get massacred in this ship, but uh, yeah, it is what it is, man. It's like a, an old-fashioned type creature feature type deal. Um, that's just really silly. And I have to say, actually, the, um, you know, towards the end of the film, it doesn't exactly end up exact, you know, like how you would think it was going to end, you know, like with certain characters and, you know, the one that you really kind of think that's going to survive maybe doesn't, you know, things like that. So that was kind of interesting how they did it with the characters. Um, but, uh, the very end itself is kind of cheeseball and actually kind of made me laugh. So, I don't know. This one just has a lot of character and a lot of heart to it. The acting is actually pretty decent in this. Uh, a lot of good one-liners um, and shit like that. But uh, the, the this one guy, this one fucking redneck in this film totally steals the deal. He's like a bigger fella. And he's... <laughs> like a tucker? <laughs> pretty much, yeah. yeah. And he's like totally that southern hillbilly, like kind of moron and stuff. And there's actually a funny line in this where <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the main characters, he's a uh, he's a teacher. And of course, the the guy from the south there, he's he's giving him a hard time because he's all smart and shit, right? Anyways, the teacher says to him, he's like, "Oh yeah, you know, it's like Jurassic Park." And and the the one guy's like, "Jurassic Park? What's that?" <laughs> he doesn't. Know. He's like, "You've never seen Jurassic Park before?" He's like, "Fucking idiot!" I don't know. That whole scene was just funny to me because he's just idiot but overall man very very fun film i do highly recommend this it was it was a blast um you know at first like i said you know when once you see the aliens and they're cg you're like what the fuck is that but you get past it right away all the effects are practical and it's a silly fun movie man it's not like over the top comedy there's actually quite a bit of like you know like serious gore and and shit that's going on in this one so i highly recommend it man i give it about a seven and a half out of ten it's fun as hell great film Nice. All right, so that's back to me. The next film I'm going to talk about is very fitting. It is The Video Dead from the year 1987. This is the second half of that Scream Factory release. This film follows a brother and a sister who arrive at their new home, which their parents have not arrived at yet. Uh, so they're kind of just chilling, waiting on their parents to come from out of the country, I believe. Uh, there is a TV set that was delivered to the previous owner that's chilling in the basement or the attic or wherever it is. The kid turns it on and it essentially blends the world of a zombie world with the world of him, you know, the regular world. Uh, so now they're dealing with zombies uh, in this little neighborhood in California, I think. Not sure really where it's supposed to be set, but that's where it was filmed. Uh you know what, man? Uh, this film... First, I want to comment on one thing. The Blu-ray. I seen this film on bootlegs a bootleg years ago. And I was just completely amazed at the, the picture quality on this thing. Uh, compared to what it did look like in the bootleg. Uh, I know, Moods, you would probably agree with that. Yeah, you know, I actually have a 
I have a German hard box of the video dead. And man, does that shit ever look bad? It looks like a really bad VHS transfer. And to make things worse, it's in German. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I mean, it's great to see like a film like this that was completely forgotten, never had an official release touched up and put on Blu-ray. This film to me has so much going on that on the surface you would easily miss. Um, there is a lot of, uh, detail put into, um, the blending of the world, uh, that you might not see on first viewing. Uh, there is, there's the, the practical effects look great for how low budget it is. Um, especially like the lead zombie, uh, all of the zombies are kind of, uh, unique. Like they all have something different about them. It's kind of a small group of zombies, uh, and the mythology, they set up an interesting mythology that you've never really, I've never really seen before in, in a zombie film. Um, for example, like mirrors kind of, uh, push the zombies away because the dead hate to see themselves as dead, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a super, super low budget film, but it actually was pretty successful in the video era era i did check out the special features on this disc as well um there's two commentaries uh i remember talking to moods a while back about this uh podcast i used to listen to back in 2010 and there was a guy on there named chris uh mcgibbon i believe mcgibbon and he was uh trying to get the video dead released for years um interesting enough he's not listed on the special features but he is the moderator in both of the commentaries. Um, so I thought that was really, really cool that this guy uh, for years was trying to get this film released. And then he finally um, probably helped with it and also uh, moderated the two commentaries. Um, so this film is a lot of fun. Uh, I like the sort of weird idea behind it like video like like zombies coming out of the tv and stuff it kind of sound kind sounds kind of silly but uh once it kind of get because it doesn't really focus on that that's just the way that we have the zombies involved uh then it kind of turns into like a bromance like a buddy film um and then it, it kind of has all these different things going on uh some cool gore like I said, they uh, talk about this movie a lot in uh, Carol Clover's Men, Women, and Chainsaws. Really? It's a mm-hmm. it's a uh, uh, book about females in horror films, and they talk about this movie a lot. She talks about this movie a lot. Hmm. Uh, it has a decent score as well. That's something that I'll bring up. Um, it was actually I like the music in the film. It too. was it was supposed to be Carpenter esque. Like their idea was to rip off Halloween. Um, they mentioned that in the special features, a cool, mm-hmm. interesting fact is the, the kid, um, is actually 15 in this film. So, uh, he has like a naked girl, like making out with him and <laughs> grabbing his legs and stuff, which is funny. Uh, <laughs> this film is totally eighties, man. It definitely yeah. has a big eighties vibe to it. Um, the scene where the kid's kind of just chilling in his room, smoking pot. I love that scene when the, uh, blonde haired chick comes out of the TV, uh, just just a ton of fun really i I was super surprised at how much i like this film more than i did when i first seen it uh i feel like there if if you listen to um the commentaries it definitely points out stuff that you would never notice um about you know it it really is a well thought out film 
like all the zombies had backstories originally and you can kind of see that with the stuff that they're wearing and, and things like that uh the film that they're watching on the tv um is like zombie bloodbath or something it was called and uh they filmed that in like right outside of where they filmed the uh house stuff uh so yeah i mean it, it's an interesting film the backstory is cool i give it a seven and a half out of ten i actually like it better than television interesting all right it's my turn yep all right so texas chainsaw massacre right. are you covering texas chainsaw massacre no <laughs> i'm waiting for that for a show sooner <laughs> or later all right so fuck you guys i'm gonna do a midnight movie anyway so <clears throat> gonna talk about a film that my buddy steve sent me of course and i know moods watch this this week also yeah, it's a film enough. titled uh, Jeffrey Dahmer Files from the year 2012, I think. I'll have to look, but I'll make sure I get you the right date, JP. So this is a film I've been wanting to get for a quite a while, and um, I'm happy that I finally was, Steve was generous enough to send me a copy of this because uh, it was one of the centerpieces of my IFC collection because it's kind of hard to find so jeffrey dahmer files and this movie is interesting it's like a half documentary well it's more like three-fourths documentary and a quarter uh uh dramas dramatization yeah 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 and um so we basically uh get a real life report from the cop that pursued dahmer and um actually two cops that pursued dahmer and a black woman that lived below Jeffrey Dahmer in Milwaukee and we hear about their stories about how uh, you know the black lady said Jeffrey was a nice guy and he offered her drinks and sandwiches and stuff like that and he was just like a like a normal guy like a Norman Bates yeah like you you wouldn't know like he was a mad killer until you know one day the cops came and they found um, a black guy's head in a box in Jeffrey Dahmer's closet and um so they arrested jeffrey dahmer and as you guys know the rest it's pretty much history but it's kind of interesting to hear that uh you know jeffrey was looked at dahmer was looked at as like a a pretty nice guy even though he did a lot of fucked up things like uh he was very cooperative with the cops and uh told the truth 100 percent straight up what he did and things like that and um even when what sorry moods go ahead i like i like when um you know after about I think it was about four hours, you know, when the cop was talking. Yeah. You know, he finds out about four hours after uh, the cops are his place. Dahmer finds out that, uh, like, they're actually going through his stuff. Yeah. And he goes, well, um, I guess I'm caught kind of thing, right? And he says to the cop, he goes, well, uh, you know, basically prepare yourself because what I'm about to tell you is going to make you famous. Yeah. (laughs) I love that line. That was great, man. Yeah. Holy shit. So he spills his whole beans and, um, you know. The rest, you know, I'll know what happens to him, how he got killed in jail and things like that. Um, the dramatization stuff, it's pretty interesting. You know, it's not really any narrative-driven amazing acting. or It's definitely a low-budget film. You definitely see that with the with the way that they're – they shot the film like it looked like it was the late 90s when Jeff was with Dom Rose. <laughs> That's things. pretty cool actually. Dramatizations always look super low-budget like in like Unsolved Mysteries or something, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know? It'd so be, it probably yeah, fits. Early early 90s early 90s yeah. but you know they shot in milwaukee and things like that the filmmakers from milwaukee 
um, and things like that. So at least he's somewhat relevant in what's happening because he's from where Dahmer was from and things like that. Um, it's an interesting documentary. I know JP will probably talk about this one sooner or later when you get around to your series also. But um, Was Dahmer a- from Milwaukee? Yeah. Yeah. So it's an, it's, it's an interesting. It's definitely worth the watch. Uh, 7 out of 10. So – before you uh, skip to the next thing, um, how close is it to like the story though? That's what I'm kind of interested in. What do you mean? Well, it's the exact story. It's the exact story. It literally has the arresting officer. Oh, like, really? Talking about yeah. yeah, like the real life guy. Yeah, that's pretty right. Cool. He's like telling his story, and then it cuts into like a dramatized a dramatization. Yeah. Does, uh, does it, of what of what they're talking about and stuff. Yeah. Does it mention that his favorite film was Exorcist Three? No, I don't think so. No, (laughs) he used to take people like young boys, like sometimes like to his house and watch The Exorcist three, and then like have sex with them. Because that, because you know that movie turns me on too. He, no, he was like really obsessed with it. Like in a lot of the accounts that people had with him, they mentioned Exorcist three. Yeah, it's trippy. Yeah, it's weird how many like body parts he just had in his apartment. He had like, I think he had like eight full human skeletons in his apartment well you know the one time did they mention how the one like little asian dude like escaped and yeah. the cops like did they talk about that moods um well the thing is i'm well i might be getting a little uh misconstrued here because i watched three dahmer films <laughs> yeah. no they recently. didn't talk about that because i want yeah so i'm not sure if they brought it up yeah. on that one or he, not, but he, I watched three different, the yeah. story goes that the, the dude is, escaped and then ran to the cops, and this touches on what you said, Jeremy, about how he was really uh, good with the cops. He just ran up and was like, "Oh yeah, he's drunk. You know, this is my lover, yeah. and we yeah. had a little fight and stuff." And the That's cops just let what... him take off this underage kid <laughs> who was naked. He was naked yeah. running down yeah. the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's in uh, I think both of the film films I watched, but it's yeah. very short. It's only about seventy minutes, seventy-five. Yeah. I find. It goes by really quick too. Yeah, I find Jeffrey Dahmer probably the most interesting out of all of them, just based on how how goddamn weird the guy was. Yeah, but he was pretty. Like I said, he was a good talker. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Check it out, JPS. It's like Ted Bundy. Yeah, it's kind of known for that as well. All right, so next up here is a film from I want to say it's from two thousand and. Hmm. I think it's from 2012. It actually came out. It came out on DVD in 2013, courtesy of Art Exploitation Films. Hidden in the uh, woods. Yeah, hidden yeah. in the woods. Um, when did yeah, you this get is, this? I know you wanted me to get it for you. Um, I got it from Second, Second Spin. Spin. Yeah, I did actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the film from Chile, um, and apparently this is getting an American remake, which is so sad. That is not. That's not cool. Um. <laughs> But uh, I'm actually quite curious. I think it's even isn't it supposed to be the same director? Really? Yeah, I swear I read something on like he was going to remake it, and I, for I don't know. How the fuck did do that? I don't know. We'll get into that when it, when we hear more about that. But anyways, this movie right here, uh, Hidden in the Woods, of course, takes place in Chile. Um, it basically follows uh, this family. Um, this father is, I guess, he's kind of like. It doesn't actually say, but he's definitely – he's a drug dealer or he's a drug holder. Like he's definitely doing something with drugs. Um, he he has a boss and he it's weird because these guys like show up to his house and they're like, you know, give me my drugs kind of thing, right? So he's got something to do within the drug trade. Anyways, he's got this family. He's got two daughters and a uh, uh, 
a son who's, you know, very kind of mangled up and kind of beastly looking, really. Beastly um, looking? He does. He looks like a beast, man. He's very deformed and shit like that. So. Oh, okay. I thought you meant um, like huge. <laughs> no. Uh, so basically it falls the three of them. Their mother has recently died and, you know, stuff like that. But um, after a drug deal goes fucking bad, something happens with the father. He gets arrested and uh, sent to jail and shit like that. So these two girls are basically forced to, or the daughters are forced to kind of survive by themselves. Um, but of course the, uh, the drug Lord, the guy that this, their father works for, he shows, he sends his goons over there to go collect the drugs. When these guys don't find the drugs, they assume that these girls have fucking taken the drugs and, uh, you know, basically stole them or did something with them. So they fucking get the fuck out of there. They go and hide out in this place in the woods and like I said, they're forced to survive and the older sister becomes a uh, basically a prostitute. And um, uh, <laughs> I don't really want to I don't want to give too much away about this one. But ultimately, uh, there's a lot of fucked up shit that goes along with this. So anyways, they end up out in this cabin in the woods and they're trying to survive. That sounds original. They've got no fucking they've got no money and shit like that. She prostitutes and this family ultimately starts being uh, like killing people and eating them because, you know, they got no other means of food and shit like that. But this is all stemming from their upbringing. Now, I'll get into a little bit of backstory. The father used to rape the girls and do real fucking nasty shit to them. Man, there's some that sounds real fucked up. Yeah, man. So it shows us in the beginning of the film before, like, as the mom is, as the mom dies, like, the father's, like, raping the daughters. So they have, like, all this type of crazy upbringing. They've got, the, they basically look after their deformed brother. And, uh, so when all this shit goes down, the father goes away. They're forced into this way of crazy life and shit like that. Prostitution, cannibalism, murder, mayhem. And yeah, so it's like another thing of survival out in the woods. Um, this one is a fucked up film, man. It's got so much graphic images of, like, like I says, incest and rape and fucking. Gonna have to check this one out. This one is bloody as fuck, man. Like I incest, said, incest, rape. Gotta check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like, like I said, when they get to the woods and shit kind of goes haywire. Um, actually, the, when the older sister's out prostituting, trying to get some cash to feed her brother and sister, uh, her younger sister actually ends up attacking these two hikers and killing them, and that's when the cannibalism starts. Uh, fuck, it's gory, man, and it's vicious. This one is this one pulled back nothing. Uh, it's not a comedy at all. This one's played <laughs> fucking. Not a comedy. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it doesn't like sound like a comedy. But no, I'm just saying, there's like nothing funny about this film. It's fucking dead serious, and uh, but which is awesome. Like it just doesn't hold anything back. It's very disturbing to watch. You know, like with the very graphic imagery in the beginning of the film, middle. Uh, and the ending in this one's awesome too. It's got a pretty fucking interesting ending too. So it's a pretty cool ride, you know, throughout the whole film. If you like your really fucked up, uh, graphic films, um, this one is definitely one to check out, man. It runs about a hundred minutes. Uh, I, I feel that it probably could have been cut down a little bit. I think there's a couple scenes in the film that drag a little bit. Like, I don't know why they went so much into these two guys, um, these two hikers in the woods and then kind of building up to that whole scene, but they kind of went a little too much into it. And I did notice a couple actually editing mistakes in this film. <laughs> There's one part where I don't like, I I've never heard anyone else say this when I've talked about this film, but I noticed a part where these two guys have shown up, uh, to basically where the girls are hiding out. And there's another guy who's in a bar 
and they're kind of waiting for him. And it shows this dude in this bar fucking cap out the uh, the bartender. And then next thing, ne- it just cuts to him being right there. And the way it's cut, it's just like so that shouldn't one, have happened. Is it a one eighty rule break? What is it? Oh, it's just it's just bad editing, man. Yeah, like it sounds you, like a one eighty degree rule break right there. Yeah, because yeah, <laughs> it, it's totally one. It's totally a rule break right there. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, because he's like at this establishment. All of a sudden, he's there with these two guys ready to go into the woods and hunt down. It's like these the girls. most basic thing you learn. Yeah, you it should have showed the degree rule. It's like yeah, it should have yeah. showed him, you know, kind of get into a vehicle or doing something. But yeah, it was yeah. just like bang, bang, he's there. And I was like, oh, that was an odd edit, but it doesn't really take anything away from it. But yeah, I mean, if you like your uh, dark, disturbing, gory, fucking films, this one's definitely for you. Like I said, it is from Chile, so it is subtitled. You're gonna have to read this one. Maybe in the near future, you won't have to when it gets remade in America. But uh, is it Spanish? I, well, I assume it's Spanish. Yeah, um, but I do recommend this one, man. It, it's really good. I had a blast with it. Uh, man, there's some fucked up shit. You just you got to see it. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, uh, eight out of ten, great film though. Nice, awesome. The next film I am going to review is Zodiac from the year 2007. Of course, uh, uh, David Finch. Fincher, oh, so uh, Jake Gyllenhaalin, um, Robert Downey Jr. It's you know a list stuff right here. Um, we it follow is such a fantastic film, man. We follow a San Francisco cartoonist who becomes an amateur detective obsessed with tracking down the Zodiac Killer. That is the most briefest plot description you could ever give because there is so much shit going on in this film though, man. You got to admit, this the the story is so hard to follow sometimes. I, I personally have seen this film, I believe, three times now and I'm still like, okay, wait, what was, oh, wait, what? Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um... I, Fincher, I get man. the overall grand scheme of things, uh, but the details, there's so much details and it, it really is almost like an obsessive thing, uh, which, you know, mirrors the character. Like, I feel like Fincher was probably really obsessed or, you know, the writers, obviously, I don't think he wrote this, uh, really obsessed with details. And it makes sense because the cartoonist played by Jake Gellahala, Helen. <laughs> Gyllenhaal uh, is Gyllenhaal. Whatever. Uh, so he's obsessed with uh, tracking down the Zodiac Killer. Uh, those of you who don't know, the Zodiac Killer was a real killer who toyed with the uh, San Francisco publications and cops, police. Uh, he would send send in like uh, what are they like anagrams or something uh, to the police and the uh, press toying with them and then he would brutally kill people um admit to it send in evidence that he did it and he was always one step ahead of the police uh they eventually you know get suspects they lose suspects they get suspects they re-get suspects there there's so much to this film it really is open the case is still open it is but it's almost certain who it was now you know what i mean oh really i haven't heard that yeah, it, I think it just um, – they can kind of no longer prove it. So it, Well, he's the most matter. famous serial killer, so of course like – Yeah, uh, the Zodiac murders, uh, there's tons of adaptations and books and everything on uh, the killer himself. Um, it, it, it really is an amazing movie. Uh, it's very long. But it yep. never feels that way. It really doesn't. Uh, this and I have to say, this film has the best CGI blood I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, it looks real. Like, it looks like a practical 
a practical effect, but it's CGI and it's fucking fantastic. It is uh, amazing. Yeah, and you know we followed these characters throughout years, right? Um, because the, the case was open forever, you know, it was never closed. So we followed these characters for years. We see their arcs, we see their uh, destructions, we see them triumph, and it. it, it really is an interesting character piece as well you're following these people um everybody's kind of likable like you kind of want them to catch the zodiac a lot uh you want them to find out the details and you know it's hard to follow like you might not be able to follow it i might be just stupid but it's hard to follow at times um you know especially the first time you watch it i still pick up stuff as i watch it now Watch uh, Take Your Taylor Soldier Spy. You'll have no idea what the fuck's going on. <laughs> I still don't know what's going on in that film. And I'm a and I'm a think I'm a seasonal film watcher and I that movie's fucking confusing as hell. I mean, I, I, I consider myself that too, and I normally can follow films very easy. Never had a problem with it, but uh there's just so much going on with dates and uh, you know, certain letters came here and, and stuff like that, that that it kind of gets confusing. Uh characters, there's a lot of them. Overall, just a fantastic movie. I give it an 8.5 out of 10. It's definitely worth your watch. Yeah. You. Good. Right. You like Zodiac Moods? Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. Um, I did enjoy it, though. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. <clears throat> Better than Fight Club? <laughs> no. No. Okay. All right. It's not. You just love Fight Club too much. That's the thing. It's not. You just have too big of an attachment to Fight Club that fact. you can't. No, it's not. It's not a fact. <laughs> that is an opinion. That fact. is not a fact. No, it's not. You can't say that's a fact. It's your turn. Fact. You want to know what's a fact? The next movie is a masterpiece, and that is Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. It's not fact. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses from the year two thousand and three. Yeah, 2002-2003. That Blu-ray looks amazing, by the way. This is an amazing Blu-ray from an early... It's an early Blu-ray release from, like, 2007 during the early Blu-ray days, and it's fucking fantastic, just like the movie. Now, I agree with you, JP, after watching this again. The ending is a little bit eh and a little bit generic. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any... I agree with you in that, and that's why I knocked off a, a point like I did, but... um. I love this film. I think it has such a unique style and um, uh, visual appeal to it that, I mean, you you just have to agree that Zombie was trying to do something fresh and original that many filmmakers weren't attempting to do in the early 2000s. I mean, <clears throat> by 2002, horror was pretty much dead. Besides for House, uh, Saw and Hostel would come out in 2003 and 2005, I mean, you really didn't have anything going Kevin on. Fever. And Cabin Fever. You really didn't have anything wrong going on. Yeah, but Wrong Turn wasn't as big as a hit as... Freddy versus Jason. I'm Fuck just fucking with you, man. Good. You fucking asshole. So Rob Zombie, you're trying to do something different, and um, he definitely, while he rips off Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he does it in an interesting style that's a fresh and original, and um, it definitely stands out. I don't want to talk about it too much, because I know we'll probably have a show, a Rob Zombie show, in the future because i know that's one that we've been wanting to do so i'm not going to say much about it but it's amazing nine out of ten you know what he he tries something new by doing the same 
uh, <laughs> seriously, it, th- this film takes so many elements from other films, which Rob Zombie's kind of always done that. I have no yeah. beef with it. Uh, I feel like, you know, you brought up mm. the style in the film. I feel like every film he did since this film has been better done style wise. Mm. Um, what he does here is very experimental and it didn't quite. And that's why we don't see that same style. He grew from it. He grew from this style, and he evolved. I don't think the Devil's it... Rejects has the same kind of style. It, no, it's it doesn't as, have the same kind of style. That's what more, I'm saying. It's it, more darker and bleaker than... The Devil's Rejects kind of took what was working and discarded everything that wasn't, in my opinion. That's why it's such a different movie. And, of course, that ending, dude, that ending is a killer for me. It it makes literal no sense at all. Just none. It's stupid. Mm -hmm. I hate that ending. Mm. Other than that, it's a great Not saying anything. Yeah. I've talked about this movie to death, so. (laughs) You know, honestly, the ending doesn't bother me. Can you explain it? No, I, I don't really think it makes a lot of sense, but it, I, I'm I'm just saying it doesn't really bother me at all. I'm <laughs> just like whatever. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I love the film. I love the look of the film, yeah. especially like on Blu-ray. Like, man, did the colors it ever looks pop? So good in blue. And the Blu-ray. characters, like, I just you know, everyone, everything They're is just so, so goofy. It's goofy and weird and odd and like I don't know. There's something about this movie, though. Every time I watch it, I always feel sick to my stomach. Why? I don't know. It's it's weird. It's like I think it's just the imagery of like he you likes know. to use like slow motion and like close think, up shots and like he likes well, to use like news news reel type. I love of that shots. So. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what it is, and they it's, do it's that just done. Rejects. It's just done in a way that's like so bleak. You know, it's like you got uh, you know guys like sleeping in bed with dead bodies, and there's <laughs> just like mangled up cheerleaders everywhere and shit. And there's just a lot of carnage and like. It's you a know, brutal death. film. I think it is really zombies probably brutal film next to Yeah, there's just a lot of death Halloween. in this film and it's just a lot of blood. I don't know, there's just something about it, but yeah. it's a good thing though. It's a good thing. Yeah. So check it out, it's amazing. Oh, definitely. Cool. It, it's a, it's a, like, you know, playing devil's advocate a bit. I would never rate it, you know, a 10 or anything, but it, it's definitely high on my list. It's one of the best of that era. You know, I'm sick of people that are saying it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Rip, rip, off. rip up. Look at the film like what it is. I, 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 you know, we've touched on that a million times. I'm not even going to get into it. It's not a rip off. It's just a, you know, influenced, inf- influenced, inspired by. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. All right. So next up here, film from 2013, I believe, which just came out on DVD. I don't know within the last couple weeks, anyways. So. Yeah, so I guess it could be considered like a 2015 release. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, but anyways, this one is called The Demon's Rook. Oh, yeah, um, we was potentially going to cover this one. Yeah, this one is, uh, man, it's got really cool cover art. Love the cover art for this. It's kind of a throwback type thing. Um, this is an interesting flick. Um, it basically starts out with uh, a young uh, a young kid named Roscoe. Um, in the beginning of the film, he... Uh, basically finds this type of porthole um to like a different dimension and he crawls inside of it and then just disappears just disappears yeah and then it jumps about 10 years i think it actually says in the film 10 years later so i think the kid is around 10 or 12 i don't know 10 years old anyways um so it jumps about 10 years later so i guess in the time that roscoe jumps into this porthole he is basically 
um, kind of raised by this, by this demon that's in this porthole. Um, and then essentially what happens is, uh, Roscoe finds out like these really dark secrets about the, this demon and what's, you know, what he wants to accomplish and, and shit like that. So Roscoe escapes through the porthole back into reality, into the world. But unknowingly, what he does is he actually opens the porthole up for this demon to come through and some more of its disciples, uh, which was not his intention. He just wanted to get away. He didn't realize that they could follow him through. Anyways, they end up on Earth. And now these demons and uh, these disciples and stuff are they have the ability to change humans into like other demons um, by attacking them and, and doing whatnot. And, and, and essentially what they're trying to do is just create like a demon army to take over the world. As and you do. And so basically what Roscoe's idea is now, he's like, holy shit, like I totally just fucked up this for everybody in the world. <laughs> so now I got to fucking save the world. So he teams up with some people and you know, it's, it's him against these demons and shit like that. So very, very cool premise. I absolutely, you know, love, I thought it was very kind of cool because the demons are like, they look fantastic. I will say like the, the makeup effects in this are awesome. They look super cool. And the demons are like, they're demons, but then they're like zombies at the same time. Like they have the ability to like raise the dead and create zombies and they attack like zombies. It's really fucking cool how they did it, man. Really unique. Um, but yeah, just an overall fantastic film and you know, great. Everything's all practical in this film. It's very like throwback said, looking too. I thought that was awesome. It is. It's actually filmed like that too. Like not film like throw throwback, but like just the style of the, you know, the way the film is. Everything's practical. Um, oh man, the demons look awesome. It's, it's really cool, man. Um, really interesting premise. And, uh, I don't really want to give anything away, but yeah, it does kind of feel like a, th- um, you know, very throwback ish. Great music in the film also. Uh, the cinematography is fantastic. It looks awesome. It looks really clear. Like actually this, the uh the look of the film is so fucking clear like it's just wow like it really the dvds now are getting really cool like really good looking <laughs> i don't know what it is but just something about this film it just looks really great everything just pops so but yeah just a, a great independent film and it's nice to see kind of a a different take on demons and uh you know that whole kind of taking over the world thing and everything all practical Great low budget film, man. It's released by Tribeca. It's distributed through Raven uh, Banner in Canada, but yeah, this is a Tribeca release, which is interesting. Um, but I highly recommend this one, man. Like, if you like practical throwback demon type films, this I one do. is for you. Yeah, everything about this one is fantastic. Like, it's actually quite cheap too. Just throwing yeah. it out there. Yeah, and you know, you, you really cannot go wrong with this one. I obviously the cover art just kind of you know sucked me right in. Uh, but, um, oh man, you know, it's definitely worth checking out just for the gore. <laughs> like it actually quite surprised me how fucking gory this thing was. I was expecting you know, a little bit, but it was just like one scene after another. You're just like, yeah, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So, um, I'm going to give this one a nine out of 10. There's really nothing wrong with it. Like I said, everything from the music to the, the look of it, to the all practical, awesome, great story, good stuff. Nine out of 10. Awesome, awesome. Now it's my turn, right? Yep. All right, so uh, the next film, I'm just kind of going random here, but uh, the next one is The Hitcher from 2007. Awesome. Uh, this is the remake, obviously. There was a sequel to the original film, too, which is yeah. kind of weird. It was done way later. <clears throat> so this film, much like the first one, 
Uh, it follows, I guess, a little different than the first one. We follow two college students who are kind of like a couple, and uh, they are on their way to somewhere. They're, you know, driving. They're they're on a road trip. Uh, when they see a man in the middle of the road ra- while it's raining outside, um, they kind of don't want to give him a ride just because he's kind of weird looking and just, yeah, you know, don't pick up hitchhikers basically. So they, they just drive past him. Uh, they get to a gas station uh, down the road and – the hitcher made it there too. So, uh, now it's all awkward and shit because like they didn't pick him up and now he's like there talking to him. And so he's like, well, can you give me a ride now? They say, yeah, he gets in the car, eventually turns on them and, you know, threatens to kill them, stuff like that. They escape him. And then it's a cat and mouse chase with, uh, the hitcher and the law after them the whole way uh, it's kind of like they're getting framed and you know he's one step ahead of them at all times you know man this one i thought like brought a really like intense moment early on when they first meet the hitcher i think that's one of the strongest points in the original um but unlike the original this one drops after that moment it's the 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 this one just feels way more impossible like the impossibility of it all it's just like he pops out of nowhere with like he's like in a truck just like in the middle of the desert like just pops like off of a hill it's like what (laughs) what is this uh he's just you know he's everywhere and it's so annoying it really is this was like the first of the platinum it was one of the earlier platinum dunes remakes i believe um, it's just, it loses every, it, the suspense and the pure terror that the original one had, uh, it just, it, it loses it all in this one. Um, it, it's, it's really kind of average, uh, maybe slightly above average. I, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is mildly entertaining as well. There's some, you know, cool moments, but it, it's, it's Hollywood shit really. Um, 5.5 out of 10. All right. So the next movie i have of course is the sequel to house have a thousand corpse and that is the devil's rejects now this film takes place pretty sure directly after house of a thousand and we follow our three main characters it's actually like the next day or or something because the cheerleaders are still there you know okay yeah yeah so the next day or whatever it's a continuation of house of a thousand and we follow our main three characters that we the survivors of the family in the first film and there's a huge shootout in the beginning of the film and uh bill mosley and sherry moon's character escapes and they're on the run from mr Fortsight, who is a badass in this movie he's fucking awesome he does a fantastic job in this film playing the sheriff uh he's a little bit of a uh, uh fuck what's his name What's the sheriff in Texas Chainsaw 2? Hello? I I don't know. You guys, what? Who's the actor that plays the sheriff in Texas Chainsaw 2? Dennis Hopper. Okay, thank you. Um, I couldn't remember his name. I thought you were... <laughs> I, couldn't I didn't realize you were looking for the actual person. Yeah, I was having a blank. I was like... Dennis fucking Hopper, man. Dennis Shit. Hopper. He, he's, he's very reminiscent of Dennis Hopper from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And um, so it's just basically him trying to chase down, the, uh, you know, Sherry Moon's character and Bill Mosley's character. Uh, they go to this motel and they um, take this family hostage and they start doing f- 
extremely fucked up shit to them. And um, lots and lots of nudity. I was quite surprised he's got an R rating for being how graphic it is. Because this is a brutal fucking film. And it's definitely a film that I would see the MPAA um, give quite a bit of shit for. And I remember seeing this in theaters. And I was like, this is pretty fucking hard, hardcore for it really a is, mainstream man. That's, film. You can't understate that. Because it, no. it really is like I, I I'm still just right with you, surprised as hell to this day that that's an R film. Yeah, and the fact that critics actually liked it also, like Roger Ebert fucking loved this film, which is like, you know, that's surprising for him considering it's a fucking really really hardcore movie, and he he's known for not liking horror films, and for him to like this one, I think he gave it three and a half stars, which is like that's yeah, really that, fucking. That always good. surprised me too. Yeah, that he liked the film. But all the critics seem to like this one, which is, you know, disturbingly so because it's a really, really fantastic film. And like JP says, I know that um, it's a different kind of film compared to The Devil's Rejects, but it, I mean, House of a Thousand Corpse, but it it gains so much more from Rob Zombie's experience from making House of a Thousand, and he applies that to The Devil's Rejects and things like that. It's definitely a better, well made movie. You could tell it probably had a bigger budget and um stuff like that but it's great to see the returning cast you know i love films that have a you know a recurring story and stuff like that i gave it a nine and a half out of ten i don't i like house of a thousand better but because of the fact that it's a better well-made movie and things like that uh i give me give it a nine and a half mm-hmm. because yep. it's a better movie i'm right Not a better you. movie it's a better made movie yeah Ooh. I like House of a Thousand better. Just because you like something better doesn't mean it's better, though, right? Agreed. Yes. Cute. Was that the was that the pick of the week? No. That's <laughs> impressive. That that's not the pick of the week. <laughs> well, that's you why, guys could I probably say joking. what my pick of the week would be. Yeah. I've been talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like nine and a half. Damn. Um. All right. So next up here is a film from uh 2014. And it is called The Canal. Um, I'd actually heard lots of people kind of mention this one, but I didn't really know anything about it. It's just the one with the subtitles? <laughs> yeah, with the bad subtitles. Yeah, this is a an Irish film. So it is in English, but uh, uh, the the accents at times are a little thick. But, you know, so. Yeah, the, the fucking <laughs> the subtitles, man. What a, ugh, what a joke that was. Um, so basically this one is about... Uh, uh, your main character, David, he is a film uh, archivist. Uh, so what that means is he just files old school films. Yep. <laughs> uh, so anyways, one time he's at work there and he gets this uh, film from, I think, like 19. It's either from like 1902 or 1912. So anyways, it's like like about uh, over 100 years old type deal. Anyways, he starts watching the film and he notices that his house is on the film. And it's basically uh, footage from a murder that happened. It was police footage. Um, oh, this sounds like fucking sinister, man. So basically, so basically, um, yeah. So basically, he he starts watching this footage and he's like, "Yeah, that's my that's my house." Um, and so what had happened was this. Uh, apparently, this guy it killed his wife. You know, um, his wife his wife was cheating on this dude, so he fucking killed him killed her in this house so he's watching the footage and he's like damn that's crazy so he goes home and tells his wife about it and he's like you know i was watching this film at work today that i had to you know file and 
apparently there was a murder in this house for like a hundred years ago. Of course, she kind of freaks out. And he's like, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's not a big deal, whatever. So ultimately what happens is he just kind of goes on with his life and, and shit like that. And he kind of finds out that his wife is not really being too faithful to him, uh, with him. Uh, she's actually been cheating on him for a long time and he finds out. And anyways, he goes back home and decides to wait for his wife and she doesn't show up. Uh, so of course there's an investigation and they end up finding her body in the canal. Um, and of course the police obviously figure that it's him because when you, when a wife gets murdered, who's the prime suspect, the fucking husband. And he's like, I didn't fucking do this. So he's trying to figure out what the hell's going on. And of course some crazy ass shit starts happening in this house. And he starts doing a little bit of investigating about the murders that happened, you know, a hundred years earlier. And he starts seeing some shit inside his house. And then he actually takes this old camera and starts filming shit. Oh, come on, man. This sounds just like sinister. Even that part. Um, but yeah, so he, he starts fucking, uh, you know, trying to figure out this case, trying to put two and two together. Meanwhile, the cops are totally on his ass and they're like convinced that it's him and shit like that. So, you know, of course, he's got to do what he's got to do. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really what the plot of the film is. So uh, my thoughts on this one. Um, I think this movie is executed, like, really good, man. The effects in this one, creepy as fuck, man. Really, really somber type feel to it. Um, it's not hypey at all. It's, like, really kind of – It's it just feels very dark. Very, very dark. Good performances in this film, too, which really sell it. But, uh, yeah, it's really fucking creepy at times, man, when he's doing this filming and trying to figure out this investigation and, uh, just everything that keeps happening to him and his, and his kid. And, you know, um, he's got like this house sitter, not a house. She's like an in-house type nanny. All this crazy shit starts happening. Um, but visually this film looks awesome. Really good stuff. Uh, I, I really didn't have any complaints with it. Uh, as Jeremy was, you know, getting to, it's definitely not the most, you know, original thing in the world. I guess the story has been done. Uh, to be honest, I actually like this way more than Sinister. Yeah. This was, it was executed great, but it was performances and it was just creepy. It was actually done well. Um, you know, I, I like how they, you know, how the, the story with the original murders totally connects to this. And I just, I, I like how everything was, how all the dots were kind of connected throughout the film. Um, you know, with that said, I think the, I think the ending, you know, the problem is with these type of films is that, you know, I would say probably seven or eight times out of 10, the ending is always kind of like, okay. Yeah. You know, you know, it just, it's never really fully delivers. Um, but I think it was still solid enough to give it a decent rating, you know, throughout the whole film. Like I said, it keeps you intrigued. Uh, I think there is, you know, there, it is kind of a slow burn, I guess. You could kind of classify it as a slow burn. But, you know, it, the, the payoff is still decent, but, you know, I don't know. It, it still wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but I've had to rate it to give it about a seven and a half out of 10. Like visually, I, I love this acting. Everything was good. I think the ending really does kind of hurt it a little bit. But uh, if you're into, you know, decently well made ghost films, you know, this isn't your, you know, overly generic fucking you know, ghostly, that's just ridiculous. This one actually has some <laughs> substance to it, you know, and actually looks amazing. But the effects, though, man, fucking creepy. It actually was like, wow. I was watching this shit at like 5.36 in the morning when I got home from work one morning. I was like, yeah, it's a good time to watch it, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 
no, check it out. Give it a watch. It's actually worth a watch. You know, I thought it was pretty, pretty good. So, but I, like I said before, it is Irish and you have a hard time understanding some of the accents, especially the little kid. <laughs> so I don't know, but it's good though. The canal from last year. Cool. So the next film that I'm going to talk about is the pact from 2012. Uh, I believe we've talked about this one on the show before. This is I have seen midnight. Of course, I believe there's a sequel happening right now as it's well. Out. It's out. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this one, we follow a sister who is investigating the murder or disappearance of her, her, her sister. Um, she gets help from a police officer or some sort. And they're in investigating in her mother's house. Uh, they eventually find out that there is some sort of presence in the house as well that attacked her. Uh, and we also find out that there is sort of a hidden room um, in between, like, all the other rooms with uh, holes in the walls, very creepy-ass shit. Um, eventually, there is kind of a big reveal. This one's kind of hard to talk about plot-wise without spoiling stuff, so I'm going to kind of just leave it as at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really did kind of like this one. I did feel like it felt very unrealistic. I know we're dealing with like ghosts and shit to begin with, so that's not realistic. Um, but even in a world where we're dealing with ghosts, regular things still exist. You know, it, It's still the regular world. Um, and I just felt like it... It just didn't make a whole lot of logical sense. Um, just basic noise, like noise, is a big thing. S- floor, the walking on the floor, like it, you know, if you, if you've seen the film, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, yeah. Overall, I did enjoy it though. I, I thought it, you know, had a really creepy tone to it. There was definitely some spooky parts for me um, that kind of, you know, got my heart going a little bit. I, I was definitely in it. Um, I, I like the you know investigation stuff like that. I, I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff in in your ghost films, the doing the research and stuff like that. It, the mystery kind of once it's solved, I liked it, but at the same time, I felt like ah, well, it kind of there's there's plot holes. Overall, seven out of ten, pretty solid watch. I'm curious about the sequel for that. Yeah, because where the hell did you take that? Well, that's that. You know what? It was weird, man. I watched that movie, and uh, I had, like just found out that there was a sequel to it. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I checked it out, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Wait, so you watched the sequel? No, I meant like after I finished oh. the the film. I was oh, like, okay. wow, there's a. I was like, there's a sequel. Yeah, you actually rated it a seven point five. Yeah. So yeah, I I thought it was actually pretty good. Yeah. There's definitely plot holes though. I mean, yeah. I totally agree with that, that. That's the main problem with it, really. I mean, it could have been a a way higher rating if it didn't have so many issues yeah. with the plot. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So pick of the weeks. Oh yeah. Alright. So been a while. My, it's been a while. Alright, sorry. About a week All right. ago. My pick of the week is a film from the year nineteen. 19- 20. Oh, yeah. Going old school here. And it's the newly 4K release Blu-ray of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, like I said, from the year 1920. Now, this transfer, as I was telling Moods and JP yesterday, is fucking breathtaking. It is the best restoration I've ever seen before in my life. Kino did such an amazing job. And 
from the uh, opening title credits where they tell you how they did the restoration and things like that. That um, everything is from like six or seven prints. You know, they picked the best of everything and pieced it together. It's like eighty seconds of missing footage that is not in the best available negative of the film. So they were able to, um, you know, piece together different prints and added to one huge film. And this film looks like it was, you know, it was just made, you know, today. That's how good they cleaned up. Granted, there is some really rough spots in a few seconds and some edits that you could tell that they were missing um, some of the frames of the shots and things like that, but it's not really that big of a deal. You're always going to get that with early cinema especially in germany which um next to the united states in the early days were pretty much the you know the two main film countries in the world up until you know 1930 or so but uh if you guys don't know caligari is you know the prime example of german expressionism everybody who loves horror films and films in general knows about german expressionism and caligari especially i think that's why it had such a huge motive to get restored like it did and uh, like I said, they did a, this a absolutely fantastic job. And um, so film, we basically follow uh, this doctor, uh, Dr. Caligari, of accordingly. You know, it's a it's a weird film. It has a twist ending that really and eh, doesn't really work that well. I think that's the main problem people have with the film. So we follow Dr. Caligari and um, he opens this um, exhibit in the, you know, the town in Germany. And he has this man that's been asleep for 23 years and um you know during like this sideshow type of a show he's going to bring this man back to life for the first time and he's able to tell the future and you know tell you anything you want to know things like that so murders start happening around the city and people blame caligari and this man for committing these murders but our main character who we follow throughout the film um, is trying to prove that Caligari is behind these type of murders. And it's basically going to think like that. It's this early, early mystery horror film. I mean, what what are you going to get? It's 1920. Um, you know, by now, feature-length films were pretty much um, set. You know, shorts came up every once in a while, but now films were basically, by 1915, you know, 75 minutes long or so. So, you know, this is five years past that, so people are used to features and things like that. But the Germans just put such a unique spin on it with their set designs. And um, American cinema, early American cinema, is known for not having too much psychological um, theme and stuff like that in, you know, in the films. Uh, of course, we start to see that later on. But Germany, you know, that's what their main focus um, was to, you know, have theme and backstory and character psychology and things like that. And like I said, Caligari is a prime example of that. Um, just watch it. Don't pay it. My advice to watch this film if you're watching for the first time is don't pay attention to the characters too much. Pay attention to the sets and things like that because they tell more about the characters' emotions and things like that than the actual characters do. Um, it's fantastic. It's 78 minutes long, not too long, but check it out. Highest rating, 10 out of 10. It is an absolute 10 classic. out of 10? Jesus Christ. That, that's a history bias right there. No, man. It, it, watch the film. Watch it. Mm. If you oh, give Halloween JP. a ten out of ten, you can't 10. judge like that. You haven't even seen the movie. I, I've you sound seen. Like an, you sound like an asshole when you say that. How do you give? Wait, come on. How do you what, give Halloween? I sound a like 10 an asshole when I this. said. Well, what? you're just you're. Well, you're just you're kind of shitting on his rating, but you haven't seen the movie, so I, I'm not how shitting can, on his rating. Say, I I, did. I listened to his review. You called him a biased. I no, I said history bias. We tend to rate films 
based on their historic value instead of their actual filmmaking. Um, JP, there was never a film that looked like this before. And you know, well, I'm just saying, you like in your own review, you was like there was a twist ending that was like ah, yeah, like, that alone kind yes. of I would I would assume maybe would not give something a ten. There was problems in Halloween, like, and we still gave it a ten. I don't remember, but we talked about it. <clears throat> well, I mean, yeah. obviously, I'm I'm just I, you just don't like original silent films. I've never. I've never, never said talked that. about I've, I've, but you never talk about them. That's because so I don't do you know watch you, very many. Exactly. Of them. So why don't you watch it? I will. <laughs> and then we'll talk. I will. But <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just basing my opinion off of what you just talked about. Mm-hmm. I don't just know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. It might be a ten. It could be a ten. I'm not saying it's not. I just feel and like everybody has a different rating system. Your rating system is different than his, and it's different than my. All three of us ours are different. Yeah, Moods wouldn't give the video dead a 7 out of 10. Yeah, I rate totally different than you, JP, and so does Jeremy. Right? Like, what you, what Jeremy calls a 10 could be a fucking 8.5 to you. Well, yeah, it's just just different. Obviously, subjective and stuff like that, but you totally subjective. Listen, you gotta admit, though, that that people tend to rate the classics higher just based on the the name value alone. I'm guilty of it as well. Phantom's Carriage isn't a classic. That film was unknown until Criterion put it out, and I gave it a fucking – that's my favorite film yeah, ever made. That, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and Moods gave it a 10 too, so it's probably worth it. But I'm saying – Moods, ge- would you I'm give Caligari a 10? Right now. I haven't actually watched it in a while. I'd have to – you know, honestly, every time I've watched Caligari, man, I've watched it with a really bad transfer. Yeah, exactly. That's so I would actually like to do this. But, yeah, you know, come to think of it though, when you said that the, the twist ending doesn't really work, I totally remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I just but it doesn't take away from the film experience. I mean, it you know they were just learning how to make a coherent, smart, interesting story. So it's like not everything. This this not twenty fourteen we're talking about. It's fucking nineteen twenty. Cut them a little fucking slack that they actually Mm. did something interesting and original. And like I said, it's really the first you know German expressionism film that we see this kind of sets and stuff like that. It's just, it's just a masterpiece. Just watch it. And then yeah, and I and I will. I'm not saying that it. I, I was never saying that I'm not. But yeah, I, I'm never. I was never saying that it's not like uh-huh. it couldn't be a masterpiece or a ten out of ten. I'm just when I hear somebody rate something really old mm. a ten, I usually instantly think, okay, well, there's like some historic bias there. Because but I've reviewed a lot of old films, ten out of ten. I reviewed Eyes Without a Face, I gave it 10, and Phantom's Carriage, I gave it 10. This film, I gave it 10. I wouldn't give Nosferatu a 10. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Nosferatu is a bigger classic than Caligari. Well, uh, it might not be in your case, but you you guys – I'm asking you guys now. Do you feel that sometimes people rate older films higher simply based on the historic value to it? Uh. I mean, it's quite possible. I see I mean, it a lot. I'm not, I'm not denying. I don't think a god. Don't. I don't think the Godfather is the best film ever made, like everybody does, or Shawshank Redemption. I'm, I'm more talking but about you can't like take the old, old ones. Like, like I've heard people give um, the Phantom of the Opera a ten. Um, I don't see it. Like, uh, it was, it was decent. But you, yeah, you we, know what I'm saying. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just talking. I feel like sometimes people are scared to 
uh, lower, even if they really feel like like it's it's not a ten, they're scared to do it because it's it's galvanized in history and it's held at high standards in the history of film. So people tend to not. I'm not saying specifically that you are now. I just kind of brought it up because it was another case of of an uh, old. But film it's just like look how many look look how many films I bash. It's like I'm pretty honest when it comes to movies that I think aren't very good. And you know, yeah. I, okay. Just I, I would like I would like both of you to watch it. I think it would be an interesting show, major review because we we haven't done a really old silent film yet. I think it'd be that would be a good one to choose. Hmm. Yeah. Q. All right. So my pick of the week is a TV film from 1971, and you guys have, may have heard of this film before and it's called duel <laughs> yeah of course directed by steven spielberg written by richard 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 matheson of course um this is like actually one of my favorite tv films ever made if not my favorite tv horror film ever made the, this movie is fucking phenomenal it really is crazy you know um you know steven spielberg's very first uh you know feature length film i believe um and it's spectacular, you know, really great stuff. Of course, you know, the storyline in this film is very, very simple about a, uh, you know, a salesman traveling around. Uh, I think he's actually just going to meet up with a client or something like that. Um, anyways, he decides to pass this, uh, this old truck. It's like a fucking, it looks like a war machine for Christ's sake. It's so old and beat up and shit. Anyways, he decides to pass him on the highway. Of course, the driver feels, you know, like he did something wrong. <laughs> Uh, so he takes offense to that and he starts harassing him on the road, fucking with him and shit like that, uh, all over the place at truck stops and, and shit like that. Um, yeah, we all know the storyline. This one right here has such an, oh, it's such an adrenaline drive. I love this film. You know, it's just like a perfect course in, you know, road horror. There's so much going on. Uh, I've always, <laughs> I always thought though a couple of the decisions that, you know, the dude makes, I can't even remember the main character's name. Fuck, it's so bad. Uh, what is it? Den or David Mann? I think it's what it is. Or Dennis Weaver. The actual guy. Um, but a couple of the decisions that he makes in this film. JP, you know what I'm talking Have you seen this movie before, Jeremy? What movie? Duel. No. I've heard everyone talk about it, though. You've never seen it? I know, JP, you've seen this film, right? I've actually never seen it. You've never seen Duel? Nope. Holy fuck. Okay. So, okay, then you guys don't know what I'm talking about. But anyways, there's this, there's this one part in this in the film where he gets out of his vehicle and he's like, you know, he's like standing on the road. I'm just like, that part always bugs me because there's no way if you've seen, if you, if you've seen the film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cause there's no way you're going to be standing anywhere near this fucking, you know, this war machine <laughs> that's hunting you down. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's basically just a full on adrenaline drive throughout the whole film. It's just this truck fucking with this guy and it's just, Oh, it's such a great film, man. There's really not a whole lot to say about it, but it's just so well executed. I don't know how this was not like a theatrical film. It's crazy it was made for TV. It's really that good. Um, just amazing uh, cinematography done in this. What they did for TV. And like I think this movie was like crazy low budget too for you know Spielberg obviously being a TV film. But uh, yeah, I think one of the coolest things is the look of the truck. It just looks so old and badass. It looks like something you would never see on the road. Like if you saw it, you definitely turn your head and you'd be like, what the fuck? Like that shit shouldn't be on the road. But 
Um, yeah, just an awesome flick. Awesome flick. If you like road horror, this is the ultimate. It's just fantastic. Um, of course, it's made for TV, so there's not really, you know, any gore, you know, shit like that. But it's got a wicked fucking ending. Really, really explosive. It's awesome. And yeah, I couldn't recommend this enough. Uh, I give it nine and a half out of ten. So I gotta say, I'm a little bummed you did not bring up Starry Eyes. I thought that I thought you was going to. Uh, quick cuts. I mean, like in a in a longer format. Let's yeah, I don't really like to talk about films that have already been fully reviewed. Sometimes. Mm, so right. I mean, I mean, That's you've talked. I think. You, I mean, you brought up a. I think you've actually talked about it a couple times on the show. Twice. Haven't you? Yeah, so you talked about it twice, and I was like, well, you know, I, I know none of these films have been brought up, so, but I'll do it in quick cut, so, All just right. quickly. <laughs> cool. So. So, my film, my pick of the week, wow, it feels so weird saying that, right? It's been a while. My pick of the week is from the year 1968, and it's called Twisted Nerve. Uh, those of you familiar with Quentin Tarantino or uh, Bernard Herman know that that word that title because that's you know the whistle in kill bill um that 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 was the score and it was named that based off of this film because it's from this film uh this film follows a family who kind of takes in kind of not by their choice a mentally handicapped kid um who's probably about 15 16 17 somewhere around there i'd probably say 17 the thing is, though, he's not. He's not mentally handicapped. He's just faking it. And he has a twisted sense about him. Like, he just is fooling them. He's playing a character that he's not playing a person he's not. He's infiltrating their house. He's befriending them. He's, he's uh, making them feel sorrow and feel bad for him. Meanwhile, he is up to completely sinister things. Uh, it is just a fantastic film. I loved it from front to end. It's a little longer, but it never feels that way. The character uh, that we're following, the all the characters, the family, and especially uh, the kid who I, I, I watched this a couple weeks ago. I believe his name might be Marty, though, or Martin. Uh, and Marty McFly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is, uh, just psychotic and he's just very likable though. It's almost like a Norman Bates, you know, where he can just play this, this person so well to where you almost are, um, on his side for a second. Um, but it's not like Norman Bates in terms of why, where you follow him the whole way and you're always on his side. Uh, the, you, you find out what a bastard this dude is. Um, I will say that the, there was some character shifts that I wasn't expecting, things like that. It, it's, it's very uncomfortable at times. Uh, the, there's a lot of tension and suspense. Uh, great movie. I'm not going to talk about it too much. It is from 1968, like I said. Uh, it is a easy nine out of ten. Man, that's high for you. Nice. Yeah, I got to see that one, man. Oh man, I can't believe you never seen it. The music is so, like you thought that music worked in Kill Bill. It works even better in this film, if you ask me. Uh, that huh. that whistle. Um, yeah, that that it is just everything about this movie. I loved. It was such a <clears> surprise. <throat> I was not expecting to love it this much. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely got to check that out. Uh, 
Jeremy, you don't got quick cuts, do you? Nope. So All I'll right. just listen. Okay, well, I'm going to really, really rip through this. Like, I'm not even going to talk about the films because... Just don't talk <clears> about the plot. Yeah. Yeah, because essentially if I started talking, <laughs> uh, this might take fucking four hours, but... Um, yeah, so quick cuts here. Uh, first up, Bleeding Lady, directed by uh, Ryan Nicholson for 2010. Um, I'm basically just going to name him off and give my ratings for him. Uh, Bleeding Lady, uh, 7.5 out of 10. I really enjoyed it, actually. I, I know it's not a fan favorite of Ryan Nicholson. I actually really enjoyed it, though. Uh, Snow Beast from 1977. It's a Bigfoot film on a snow hill. Pretty awesome. Uh, 6.5 out of 10. I thought it was fun as hell. Uh, Parents from 1989. Cannibal flick. Um, cannibal comedy, I guess you'd call it. 7 out of 10. Uh, Pervert, a killer penis film. <laughs> from 2005. That movie's fun as hell. Fuck, is it ever fun, man? It's made by it, the company who did Blood Car, right? Yeah, yeah I think that so. Movie's fun. Fuck, man. It, it, <laughs> yeah, dude, this actually makes me laugh thinking about it. Uh, eight out of ten. What a fun ride that one was. Uh, Eaten Alive, directed by Umberto Lenzi from 1980. Of course, it's a cannibal flick. You know what you're gonna get with that. Eight and a half out of ten. Fucking awesome film. Great music. Uh, the Brain That Wouldn't Die from 1959. It's the brain that wouldn't die. Uh, seven out of ten. It's fun. I've seen it's that fun. One. It's yeah. It's a it's a pretty fun film. Um, <laughs> I don't. The facial expressions on the girl always make me laugh in that film. I don't know what it is. I don't think it's supposed to be funny, but it's just the way she's like on that table. You know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me laugh when I watch it. Uh, we are what we are from 2010, the original Spanish film. Uh, of course, it's a cannibal film. Uh, eight out of ten. It's it's a great film. And then, of course, I watched the remake from 2013 uh, right after. Actually, I watched them back to back and uh, I give it a seven and a half. I actually really enjoyed the remake. It's different. They go into a little more, uh, you know, history about things that are going on. It was interesting, a little more contrived, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I've actually heard people say that they like the remake more, which uh, blasphemy, in my opinion. Um Next up, Famine, of course, directed by Ryan Nicholson, also from 2011. I enjoyed it, 7 out of 10. I don't agree with that at all. I think that movie's poorly or unfairly hated on, man. <laughs> the movie, the <laughs> acting is so bad, and you know me with acting, man. I just oh, but can't, it, I can't handle it. Oh, fuck, it's not, not that bad, man. The acting isn't the greatest, but it's not the worst I've ever seen. But I always heard from people that it wasn't that gory, and there is some pretty decent gore. And I like the killer. The killer fucking cracked me the up. Killer's awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the killer's awesome, yeah. Ryan Nicholson always has good killers. So. Yeah, the killer was funny, man. Um, Lady Stay Dead from 1981. I really wish I had a, you know seen this movie when I was doing my 81 series. It's from Australia. It's kind of like a stock and slash type deal, but not really. Uh, 7.5 out of 10. Pretty cool one. Uh, Blades from 1989. Blades is, yes, a killer lawnmower film. Nice. <laughs> Set on a golf course. Fucking awesome. Fun as Isn't there another happens. golf course movie like Green something? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. The what the fuck is it called? I even have the movie too. Like Greenway or Greenskeeper. Something? Greenskeeper. Greenskeeper. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Blades from nineteen eighty nine. Seven and a half out of ten. It is what it is. It's a killer lawnmower film. It's fucking hilarious, actually. Uh, Blood Hook from nineteen eighty six. It is literally about you know a fishing hook that comes out of the water and kills people. Are you watching oh, all these shitty movies? It's funny. <laughs> It's fucking, it was, it, it wasn't as fun as Blades, but it was pretty funny. It had some hilarious kills. I was pissing myself, but six and a half out of 10. Uh, next up, Family Portraits, uh, American Trilogy. It's a really, really dark, um, 
it's not an anthology film. It's three short films directed by the same director that are put together uh, in correlation. Um, really demented, dark, dark shit. This is depressing to watch. Really well done, though. Nine out of ten. Uh, insane. Jeremy sent me this film from the same director that did Evil Ed from 2010. Eight and a half out of ten. I really enjoyed it. It's really that good? Yeah, it's awesome. I have to get it. Uh, open 24-7 from 2010. This is a French anthology film. The first short was awesome. The last two were shitty. <laughs> Four and a half out of ten. Such a shame because the first story was like this lesbian cannibal couple. It was fucking awesome. And the next one's just pfft, fucking shit. Uh, then we got Tusk, of course, from 2014. We all know Tusk, nine out of ten. Nine? I really enjoyed this shit. Whoa. I loved it. A nine? nine? Yeah, I, You're too I easy, loved man. It. You love everything. I loved it, man. No, I just gave a film four and a half out of ten. Uh, Race with the Devil, man, what can I say, man? I reviewed this on Body Bags. It's just beyond classic road horror. It's amazing, nine and a half out of ten. Uh, the ending is so goddamn good. It's just, oh, so good. Um, Bioslime from 2010. Um, <laughs> fun as hell. Actually, Matt reviewed this on Body Bags, seven and a half out of ten. The the Disturbance from 1990. Um, this is a weird psychological type film uh six and a half out of ten it's actually better than i thought it was going to be godfather gore documentary about herschel gordon lewis from 2010 nine out of ten really enjoyed it uh best worst movie from 2009 uh of course about troll two nine out of ten i thought it was entertaining as shit kind of weird actually when you really think about the premise of it uh poltergeist from 1982 nine out of ten uh poltergeist two um it's a downgrading sequel, but I, I find it highly enjoyable, unfairly hated on. 7 out of 10. Poltergeist 3, I actually do prefer over the second one. I know that's crazy talk, but I think I just like the setting more in Poltergeist 3. Uh, 7.5 out of 10. Um, next up from 1987, The Monster Squad, of course. I watch The Monster Squad like six times a year at least. Uh, 10 out of 10 is a perfect film for me. I love Whoa. it. Um, yeah, Deathbed from 1977. Uh, JP talked about this one. I give it seven and a half out of ten. I, I think this movie is is such an oddity. It really it, that, is, I, man. It was such a such cool a release. Weird... It's, it's one of my favorite releases this year so far, just based on exactly what you said. It's an oddity, and it's just it's something that is just like would have been buried forever, and we got to see it. Something fun yeah, about it, that. It's definitely one of those films that you have to see to believe. Isn't it like you know? oddly poetic though? When I when I talked about it in my review, it is. it's so weird. It really is, actually. Yeah, it's definitely one to check out. I, you know, kind of judge for yourself, but it's enjoyable. Uh, Jennifer from 1978, basically kind of a Carrie ripoff. You know what? I didn't really care for this one a whole lot. I give it five out of ten. Actually, one of my least favorite Scorpion releases, man. I didn't really care for it too much. Uh, kind of boring, actually. Um, Dahmer from 2002. Uh, I reviewed this on Body Bags. I thought it was really good. Seven out of ten. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, The Secret Life from 1993. Uh, this was, you know, basically the Dahmer story, a little more gory than Dahmer. Um, seven and a half out of ten. It's low budget, but fun. Uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer Files from 2012. I also give it seven out of ten. We talked about this earlier. Cam to Cam, IFC film released. Uh, was it worth the ass on the cover? No. <laughs> that fucking part's not even in the fucking movie. <laughs> what? You actually joke. bought this? No, I watched it on uh, oh. Netflix, actually. Actually, this is one of the only films I did watch <laughs> on Netflix. It's so weird. Um, I was at work and I was bored. I didn't have any films on me. So from 2014, I give it six. It was, yeah. it had some decent parts in it, but man, I tell you the whole ending just ruins this fucking movie. Um, madness from 1980. It's a Fernando de Leo film kind of home invasion. 
uh, not really that great. Actually, it's kind of like in the vein of like, well, obviously this is done before. Um, I think this movie was done before Last House on uh, House on the Edge of the Park, but I'm not entirely sure. The premises are very similar, but kind of executed poorly. Uh, six out of ten. I didn't really care for it overly that much. Uh, the Possessor, an Italian uh, Exorcist ripoff from 1975. Seven out of ten. This movie surprised the shit out of me. It was actually pretty clever at times. Uh, Raw Forest from 1982. This is a fucking batshit crazy awesome release by Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> you can't even explain this movie. There's so much going on. Eight out of ten. Awesome shit. Hell Hath No Fury. It's an anthology film. Uh, this is the film that Ryan Nicholson has a short on it called Torched. Uh, this is why I picked it up. Um, his short is obviously the best in this band's. It's really fucking brutal, actually. Overall, pretty fun. I uh, like the structure of it. It was pretty cool. 7 out of 10. Afflicted from 2013. Jeremy does not like this one. I actually not thought at this, all, man. I thought this was a fucking blast. I really don't see the hate in this at all. 7.5 out of 10. Um, High Spirits from 1988. Talked about this one earlier. 6 out of 10. It's not really for me. I, I didn't really enjoy it that much, to be honest. And it's got a million people that you recognize, but it just, it wasn't my thing, man. Um, Ghoulies 3, <laughs> randomly watched wow. again. Uh, from 1991, uh, five and a half out of ten. It, it's a really stupid fucking film, yeah. but that kind of, kind of fun. is intriguingly odd. It, but it's fun, and it, it, you know it, it has its moments. Uh, the Turnpike Killer from 2009 slasher film about some dude killing girls, throwing them on the turnpike in New Jersey. Uh, seven out of ten. It's shot really odd. Um, it looks fucking weird. Uh, next up here, Poker Night from 2013. Uh, released by Macabre in Canada. It's released by Raven Banner. Of course, totally different cover art. American cover art's a lot better. Actually, a pretty interesting film. It kind of plays out like an anthology because it's about these poker players or these cops that are playing this game of poker and they're telling stories. And then the actual story, the film is, you know, kind of developing itself. It, it's an interesting structure. It's pretty cool. Seven and a half out of ten. Good performances. And Starry Eyes from 2014. Um, yeah, this was a really interesting flick, and I wish we had done this one as a feature. I said that review. back when I reviewed it the first time, because I would like to see, like have three different uh, you know prem, uh, you know looks at this. You know, uh, very interesting. I think I think um, it was executed pretty well. I really like the characters in this film, man. Honestly, the sleazy ass uh, uh, fucking fast food um, manager. <laughs> That character, man. I think it was played by Pat. I, Healy, I think wasn't there's it? a lot happening with that character as well. Like th- this, that film has so much going on. Like for example, like I don't fi- really, really think that that character was such a bad guy because he was just no. doing what he needed to. Like you know, he says well, it himself. Course. Like yeah, your dream is to do that, but my dream is to own a restaurant. You know, and I need people mm-hmm. who are going to work here. Do you think the you know the overall product kind of suffers from not really explaining you know what exactly happens to her <clears throat> because it, it's a thing that i keep hearing from a lot of people. I, I don't really think so i mean it wouldn't you like to have a little bit of you know i mean we understand what's going on like there's some cult shit going on and we understand like the whole You'll do anything to fucking get into show, but like all that stuff's going on. But <laughs> exactly what makes her go from point A to point B, you know? Wouldn't you like to know a little bit more? And I would, you know, the one thing that was a little frustrating for me with the movie um, was just the lack of the studio in the cult story. 
Don't you think there's a lot there to, you know, kind of explore? Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously also a metaphor for, like, the actual studios. Exactly, um, exactly. But I, I, I just, I, I really like that film. And I feel like you were originally, like, there with her. But as she transforms, yeah. you transform and you realize, like, she actually isn't a good person. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's that she's kind of that, you know, that stereotypical actress that, you know, a lot of people hate. But at, when it comes down to it, I think some of those actors and actors in the, in the even in that in the film would do what she did. They would kind of sell their souls to get into those things. You know how they're kind of ripping on her a little bit. Yeah, But, but I you think know if, how given, the, given given putting that position, I think they do the same thing. Do you, so, do you, but you, know, you watch the other characters who are kind of made to be bitchy and stuff to her. Um, but as the mm-hmm. film goes on and I get to know the lead character's personality a little bit more, I feel like they probably just knew her. I just see her from first glance. They've probably known her and have history with her. And maybe she is a sucky person. And that's why they're being bitchy to her. Like, yeah, I mean, that's quite possible, right? Yeah. Well, it's actually um, what the director intended. I didn't actually pull that myself. But first, oh, right away. <laughs> well, that's why I said, yeah, that's quite possible. Uh, but yeah, overall, the film, I thought looked awesome. Uh, it gets pretty aggressive at the end. Um, you know, the last 30 minutes is actually, <laughs> it's actually quite interesting how it kind of flips itself and kind of turns in, you know, it goes one way and then kind of goes into another way. I didn't really see that coming, like, full on yeah. like that. I thought it was kind of going somewhere else, but, uh, which was very cool. I thought that was an interesting, you know, kind of development and the way this kind of turned itself. And overall, I thought it was really good. I thought the, the, the main actress, I, I'm not sure exactly. I don't have my Blu-ray with me, but, uh, whatever her name is, I thought she was great, man. I think when you have a, uh, a script like that and you have to intentionally act shitty in certain parts and, you know, she played a lot of different type of characters in this film. You know, she played, you know, the the fucking fucked up one. She played herself. She played, you know, these acting parts. I think the, you know, she did a really good job. What are your opinions? I thought she was actually really good. I enjoyed her. I mean, I like I said, this obviously made my top ten. I forget where it came about. Mm -hmm. I think it was in the lower five. Uh, But, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I feel like there's a lot to it that is left unexplained. But I feel like also just from Mm -hmm. based off of interviews I heard with the director on other podcasts – um, he has an idea like what everything means and where it went. So I'm cool with that. It's up to us to decide the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's cool. I mean, that's cool. I, I can see where some people are like, ah, you know, they want a little, they want a little, uh, you know, more explanation, a little more spoon fed, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. You know, I, the thing is I would have liked to just seen a little bit more about the studio, just kind of explore that, but you didn't have to go into it mm-hmm. fully, but you know, there's there's not really a lot of complaints. Like, I thought there was a lot of good shit going on here in this film. And it, there was a lot of surprising moments. So, um, And I rated it 8.5 out of 10. Which is exactly what I gave it. <laughs> and then looked up your uh, review and you gave it also the same. So I thought that was quite those interesting. Reviews are quite, so. Those ratings are quite handy, huh? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to do it for my quick cuts. And yeah, that's like fucking 40 films yeah, or something. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is literally going that's to take two and a half right hours there. to put in just yours alone. 
Because yeah, I I, I actually went through and I already added all the episodes in there. So I have to put them in alphabetically. Oh my god, it takes forever. Anyway, I'll get on to my quick cuts. Uh, first up is The Nest from 1988. I could have sworn I talked about this film on here before and rated it, but it's not in the ratings, so I might not have. Uh, awesome film. It's so fun. Killer cockroaches on a small like island, New England island or something. Uh, just great gore. Eight out of ten. Next up, The Legend of Boggy Creek from 1972. This one was very weird in its like structure. Uh, it was like documentary slash like it was just I, I it kind of took me by surprise and I almost didn't I, I didn't like it to be honest. I just didn't like this film that much to in in general. What? Yeah, really. It's it just I don't know. It, oh. I couldn't like ride with it. It was just like real jarring to me and like i don't know man I, it had its moments it did it did like i like the way of telling bigfoot in a uh like setting where it's not right in your face where it feels more natural and like hidden i like that and the sets are awesome there's some really cool places i just couldn't get into the structure of it uh five out of ten it was just average for me I, sorry, sorry. Uh, after that, we have Sanctimony from the year 2000. This is Uwe Boll. There is literally nothing good about this film. It has it has nothing. It is There was no film to be made out of this. Like, just even... You know how sometimes you see a film and you're like, well, if somebody else did it, it would have been better. It's just there's not enough there to even create something. So 1.5 out of 10, awful. Next up, we have Targets from... Oh, 1.5? You bitch at me for giving a No, I don't. I like... bitch at Moods for giving too high ratings. <laughs> That's really low. Yeah. Watch it. Let, let me hear your rating. All right. Well, yeah. when you send it to me. Uh, tar- no, I think that was more you bitching at Jeremy for giving a 10 for Caligari. I wasn't, though. I wasn't. I was I was just wondering if he was being biased. It, apparently, he's not, and I'm cool with that. <laughs> Just sorry for even bringing it up. Uh, after that, we have Targets from 1968. Uh, this one is really fun. Uh, it, there's some real intense moments here where basically a killer is just picking people off through a sniper scope. And that is a terrifying thought because you don't know. You're just walking along and you're being looked at through those crosshairs. And it just makes this weird feeling inside you it's an awesome movie but and the ending scene is really cool too it's setting in like drive-in uh but i'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna chill with a seven out of ten on that one after that we have prison from 1988 uh this one is a bunch of convicts in a haunted prison uh, a lot of fun a lot of cool special effects and stuff uh the most cliched group of prisoners ever literally ever there has never been more cliched characters in a prison film uh Find it. Show me. It, maybe even ever in any film. They are really cliched. Even the director goes to say how cliched they are. Uh, that was, of course, directed by Rennie Harlan, I believe, who did Elm Street 4. A lot of fun, though. It's a fun movie put out by Scream Factory. Uh, great, great package there. Uh, then we have The Devil Rides Out from 1968. I got to say, I just I, I, there was something about this one that I wanted to like so much, but I just couldn't. I just couldn't like it that much. Um, it had all my favorite things, cults, uh, religious devil worshiper, overly religious people. That shit scares me. I just, there was something about it. I just could not get into it. I can't even, I need to rewatch it because I don't even feel like I'm justifiably, because it looks like a good movie on the surface. Everything is there. Um, it, 
I don't know if it's too long or I, I really don't know. I, I don't have a reason for my low rating. That's why I feel like I am not doing this one justice, but it's a 5.5 out of 10. Uh, then we have Zombie 5, Killing Birds, 1987. I don't know. I like all the other ones better than this one. This this is definitely the worst zombie film out of the four. I give it a 4 out of 10. Uh, then finally we have Thirst from 1979. This was a pretty interesting film, vampire kind of a different take on the whole idea uh we've seen other films do similar things to this after this film was made so it kind of i feel like it probably influenced uh some other films uh, a lot of fun here 6.5 out of 10 that's my quick cuts yeah all right those were actually quick cuts unlike somebody <clears throat> well dude his, what do you mean, man? his took quick cuts were I'd... faster than mine actually i spent more time on each film. yeah i just had more films but normally yeah. it's the other way around. So, yeah, like I said, I wasn't going to talk about any of them. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that is going to do it for episode forty-three. What oh. we watch, part two. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, man, I couldn't even. <laughs> I wonder how many films we actually talked know. about on more this than we've ever talked about before, and it's going to take forever that- to update the ratings, but it will totally be worth it. Um, I, I would like to maybe even count. I might count them. See how many we mentioned. Well, well, we did fifteen. So we did eighteen just in the what we watch portion. Wow. Yeah, yeah there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot in this. So, so yeah. Anyways, like I said, that's gonna do it for episode forty-three. Hope you guys next enjoyed week. it, and we'll be back next week with uh, obviously episode forty-four, next which is romantic um, two, I believe. Necromantic two. Hopefully, my Blu-ray comes in. I did not get it yet, so which sucks. Actually, it might even be in my, in my mailbox as we speak right now because it was close, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, Necromantic Two. I'm looking forward to watching it again. I haven't. I've seen never it seen also. it. So, yeah, yeah. I'm actually curious because Necromantic Two does look better than the first one, so I'm curious on how the transfer is on this. So, it should be interesting. But uh, yeah, that's gonna do it. I'll leave you guys to Jeremy. <clears throat> all right thank you everybody for listening to the 43rd episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as always if you want to follow the man moods himself you can do so at youtube.com slash moods 616 if you want to follow the man jp aka the man who doesn't respect silent cinema you can do so at youtube.com slash double shot j as always you can follow me the jew at youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 and if you have any questions, you can email us at our email at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at 22 shots podcast. And as always, you can follow us on our Facebook page. Go to facebook.com, type 22 shots of moods and horror podcast in the search bar and ask to be joined to the group. Um, after tonight's discussion, there'll probably be some more stuff going on there for giveaways and stuff like that. So definitely head over to the Facebook page and join the awesome community. And if you have any questions, you can email us or, well, not email us. You could call us at, see, I made one screw up. Always do. 724-426-6665. And that should do it for the 43rd episode of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast as always we'll be back next week with cult epics newly released film necromantic 2 which is about 40 minutes longer than the first one so that'd be awesome yeah that's right it is actually quite a bit longer hmm. yeah oh, fuck. alrighty guys
Peace. Peace. That is a wrap on episode 43. Did you just get that uh, 